Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what, I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people. Right. You want people to care. You want, you want to strike emotions. And I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yep. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally <laughs> imagine that. You I'm sure somebody's written that one. Pounder with cheese and France, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, ale with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see. I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw, sacrifice that my. my progeny to you of a mighty marvel beast <laughs> <laughs> but neil adams is somewhere going mm, it's, it's my time uh, <laughs> how do you measure success hey everyone and welcome to the one the only superhero speak i'm your host dave and i'm john jd is there another i don't know that's a good question i thought you were trying to i thought you were like staking your claim or something like that. <laughs> That's what was threatening our turf, and I was going to have to like start snapping my fingers and getting ready to fight. <laughs> Actually, when we first started, there was a podcast very similar. It wasn't Superhero Speak. It might have been Superhero Talk, but it was like an old, it, like when we had started, the show had only been around for like a year before us, and then they disappeared. So, Well, that, that's part of our plan is to just outlast everybody. When, when we tell people how long we've been around, they're like, oh, oh, wow, really? Yeah. Was it nine years, eight years now? Nine years? Nine years. Nine and a half years, John. Nine and a half years. Right. Most podcasts don't last more than a year, if that. That's true. I've been a part of some. <laughs> yes, you have. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of that, you might have some more news about being on podcasts. I got a lot of news. I was about to say. So, we, you have, you were not here last week. I was not due to scheduling week. issues. How are you doing, JD? What's new? Great. What's old? great i launched a kickstarter this week i had the worst first day of a kickstarter i've ever run and then uh, so i had the master russell multi sit down with me and go okay let's work on this 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 and this and uh, i had to proctor the psat test today or this week at school which means i did nothing so i had all day to work on it so uh, we got it we corrected it it's going much better now still a little under but it's good apparently uh this is a really bad month for kickstarters there's a lot going there's a lot running and Numbers are all down. Could you know? There's a lot of financial stuff going around, but I'm people, still running. We're still good. People have got, started their Christmas shopping. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out till the spring for that. But I got I got my first hardcover book came in the mail. This thing is is absolutely gorgeous. I love it more than anything except for Andrew, and it looks absolutely sensational. My first <laughs> my first hardcover book that I've ever had. And I'm super proud of it. It looks just beautiful. I, I'm glad you, you said you loved it. More than anything except for your son. But what about your wife? She understands. Oh, okay. <laughs> lucky, lucky man there. She, lucky man. No, I'm kidding, of course. Yeah, so good. The Kickstarter is going okay. Please back it. Got lots of stuff. John, this is going to be a good one. This is you're, the best ever. You, you're insinuating that you were slacking the last four times, I think. No, no, no. There? This one's just special. Oh, okay. They've been good, but this one is just like extra good. Like, I, not only are you not the villain but a major but you are the linchpin in the story not just right. a side character this think... time i've done right by john Oak. and the name just works really well for the character awesome so I'm extra extra proud of this one 
it's I can't wait till you read this epic death scene that you have. <laughs> I'm super, super. Don't are oversell we, are, it. Are, are we talking like the mask death scene? <laughs> like I'm Rocky sorry, De- man. Like Rocky Dennis? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a dated ass joke right there, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> No, uh, this, is, this is a good one. This is a good one. And then I guessed it last night. I co-hosted the Gorilla, the return of the Gorilla Brain podcast with our good friend Eight Bit Ray. We said he he messaged me goes, "Hey, I know you're pushing your Kickstarter. Do you want to come on and talk Stephen King?" And I said, "Well, yeah, let's do that." So we talked about The Shining and Doctor Sleep for two hours last night, and it was awesome. It was a really good show. I'm not sure when he drops it actually, so uh, stay tuned to socials and make sure you listen to the Gorilla Brain podcast, part of the. Geek All Stars Network and all that. Jazz. Geek World All Stars Network. Yes. I can never get that right. Geek World All Stars Network and all that stuff. And it was it was really good stuff. Ray it was fun to be on Ray's show. He wants to come back, and he had a suggestion for a movie, and I forgot what it was. Oh no, son of a bitch! So I stand by. I have to remember because I was like, <clears throat> yeah. Oh no. Oh wait. No, it was crap. Move on. I'll remember. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay then. How about you, John? What? Like anything new since last week? Nah. <laughs> just, just nah. I did. I did fund this great Kickstarter, though. Yeah. 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 For for a hardcover edition. And to be killed. And he's and to be sure. He's getting a shirt I, this time. I, I just I love getting slaughtered. That's there's all. a shirt this time. Yeah, Wait a there's minute. A, there's a shirt this time. I have a shirt available. And people say you should not do Kickstarter t-shirts because it messes up your margins. Unless your classroom has a t-shirt making press. <laughs> unless you can do silk screening inside your classroom and you have a forty thousand dollar impact printer, which which you can with which you can make bookmarks, which is now part of our stretch goal. Once we hit our once we hit three hundred or two hundred more dollars, we will hit every book, every copy will get. A bookmark and you have classes of kids that you can use as slave labor to make said t-shirts <laughs> correct <laughs> they get an a okay oh. number one. Oh man genius Thank but you. evil yes but still genius <laughs> yes right correct on all counts what is the t-shirt is That's it all college t-shirt just like the logo Oh, okay. We're not. People... I'm not good enough yet to put like to make them fancy. Perhaps if uh, a couple Kickstarters down the line, we can get fancy t-shirts. I'm still new at all this. You know, I I don't understand. Like they give you the advice not to do t-shirts. I understand Depends. how how sh- how short the margin can be on it, but people love t-shirts. I love. Oh, I mean, God, yeah. I, I when I when I was you know in running in road races, I would run a race just because of the t-shirt. Because because it wasn't one one of those silk screens where you put in the wash and it's and and it starts to crack and, and so, fall off and and you know if it was like double layer cotton I have, you know it's I like a, I would do anything for a t shirt I would run a half marathon for a t shirt I, I have a rule for the kids that we that I coach that go to wrestling college they have to give me a t shirt from their new program hmm. and I have a I haven't bought it literally like bought a t shirt in years. Yep. Yeah, it's a that's what I would do. Every time my t-shirt starts to rat, rat so, out, it's got, well, there's this 10K on Sunday and they've got this nice t-shirt. When I was <laughs> at New York Comic Con and they did the panel where they premiered the Super Mario Bros. trailer, that one of the things was if you went back in line, you could get a t-shirt after the trail after the panel, and like everyone that was in that room got in that line. It like you could not move. The line was so long just to get a T-shirt that said Super Mario Brothers on it. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Everyone wants a free T-shirt. 
So, well, yeah. So, yeah, that's. Oh, how are you, Dave? Oh, <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm still still recovering from the convention. Did I you am... get the COVID from the convention? No, I did not get the COVID from the convention. Why? Oh, people get COVID at conventions. I was just asking. I have not heard. I haven't even heard one story of someone getting COVID at the convention. Well, I'm starting a rumor. <laughs> well, let's okay, not. Then. Let's not do that. You know, like that's that's not good. We want to. We want to try like to move away from the panic of the no concred, the... <laughs> no concred, no gook, no stuffy. Nuts. I'll I'll say that I was the anus. <laughs> they they have said there there's anecdotal <laughs> evidence right now that they're following up on that there's one or two variants of of the flu and maybe even a variant of the cold that are literally gone, uh, are extinct now because because of, of the, the so- COVID because of COVID because of all the social distancing. That makes sense. And all that. I, that I can wow I can crazy. see that I can see I and definitely can see washing that. and like everything it's like yeah I, I definitely could see that but no I was I, I was tired this week definitely out of it on Monday a little under the weather but yeah I mean typical con crud stuff nothing major you know just like ugh yes those who don't go to conventions don't know the joy of con crud but we went back to New York this weekend yesterday. <laughs> Because my girlfriend's one son did a, what do they call it, campus tour, whatever, for New York University. So how they do it at NYU is, depending on your major, they have different days. And that was the day for the art majors. So we went up and, and did the, you know, I hung out with them. They did the tour and whatnot. That was, it was interesting. But then we did something I've never done before. We went to Madame Tussauds. Mm. So I've been there. What I did not know is that they serve alcohol in there. They have two bars. And New York Comic Con in general, just a Madame Tussauds. Just a Madame Tussauds. Oh. And never been to the one there. I've been to the one in Las Vegas. Okay. Yeah, because how it works is like you go up an elevator to the top floor and you're at a quote unquote party and there's the you're intermixed with the wax figures of the celebrities. And then Seems then there's an actual bar up there where you can get drinks and then you walk down the steps to different scenes and stuff and there's a whole they have a whole marvel one set up now so I, I hear the mark zuckerberg one looks more lifelike than the real thing that is a i did not that... see a mark zuckerberg <laughs> that might be in las vegas he yeah. wanted to just make a joke but i get it because that guy does not look human well they they well that was the thing they had gone last year the her her and her son so like they kept mentioning like they already they swapped out a bunch of them so they must change them all the time Depending on who's hot, who's not, you know, I'm sure there's some that are staples and there's probably some that are like, or, you know, let's say like they had an Ezra Miller one and it's like, yeah, let's not display that one anymore. Let's put someone else in his place. So when I was a kid, my dad, we went to, we drove from Chicago to Washington, D.C. for a family vacation. I think I was 14 or 15. <clears throat> not 14. I was 14. The 15. This is how I know the year. So we're driving and on the way we stopped in Canton, Ohio at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And the had this was after the murder before the trial of OJ Simpson. Oh, Jesus. And his bust was still up, but it was very clear that the light bulb had burnt out and nobody had changed it. <laughs> nobody had cleaned it. And it looked so eerie. And that was the day before. So, and the day after, someone stole it. I don't wow. know if you guys remember that someone stole yes. the OJ Simpson bus. It was my, we were there that same weekend. Cause my mom was like, let me see your bags. I'm like, I'm standing with you. You think I could have gotten away with that thing? Well, give me a break. I wish I had, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and then I will say this, 
like like all those things obviously they nickel and dime you and uh, they have a what's it, like an interact a 4d marvel short movie that you can watch but you have to pay extra for it however they didn't check our tickets before we went in to this to the movie so it was like well maybe we didn't have to pay for it but anyway whoopsies it was so stupid and it basically is like a you know 10 five minute 10 minute commercial for madame tussauds <laughs> starring the marvel characters and some animated thing you know and it's 4d which means you know like there's a scene where they cast a spell and bubbles come out so bubbles actually come out of the ceiling and then there's a scene where there's a creature that roars at you and you they spray you with water so you feel like you're getting spit on by a giant monster that is definitely not sanitary <laughs> And then when Thor shoots, uses his lightning, they have strobe lights going off around you. So, you know, that's, and then the, the seats vibrate. So I don't get the point of 4D stuff. Me neither. I know. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere thought, oh, this is a good idea. And I don't know. It, it's stupid. <laughs> Constantine. That's the movie Ray wants us to hmm? Keanu Reeves. Constantine? Constantine? Could could do it. I believe it's Constantine. Right? They call him Con- the, origi- the original pronunciation was Constantine, Constantine. but then American. So, well, and yeah, America. To be, to be America. Fair, like, the Emperor. I don't believe anyone referred to the Emperor as Constantine. I believe he's always been Constantine, but I don't know. What do I know? Alex Again, America. Not learning Latin. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, well, I took four years of Latin in high school, sir. Oh. That's all I got. I don't remember much of it. I'm not, I'm not quad, not intelligent, you know? I got like 3% of that. <laughs> <laughs> You guys gonna have a Latin off? <clears throat> I mean, like Dave Altissima Quiquif Lumina Minima Sono Labin. That would change 4D. You could do that kind of a thing. Yeah, I didn't understand any of that. My daughter also took Latin in college, but I don't know if she would understand any of it. So I I cannot speak it fluently, but I just know enough to I mean, no screw with people. Know. Yes, <laughs> which is all you need in life. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So yeah, that's that was my weekend. Speaking of screwing with people, let's do a little social media man. Oh. Hey, let's on. get this. Let's get this out of the way because we got good stuff to get to today. Hold on, hold on. Before we get to social media man. No, manager, not mm. it's over now, JD. Did you watch any of She-Hulk? The the pilot. And then my wife, because I knew this was gonna come up. So my wife, who has watched the whole show, supplied me with the information. She fed me the information to let me know. Oh. So I can talk about it like I know what I'm talking about. Oh, I didn't see it. Spousal crypt notes. Okay. So, 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 so what you're saying is that notes. I like that phrase. So what you're saying is you're cheating, but yet you're you're letting the audience know you're in on the letting the, in the audience in on your cheating. Yes. Again, part of the part of the the reason part of why we're so good with reviews is because we don't all have the same likes and, and dislikes, so, and <laughs> once in a while, one of us can't just watch something because it's just not that we're you know it's not for us, and that's okay. I yeah. thought. The ending was very creative and just brilliant. And I don't see there there's not a better way to end it, but yet they can't recreate that next season. Like it was a one time one and done ending, you know? Yeah. I think like to go back to that would be like, ah, oh, come on. So I mean she literally breaks the fourth wall. Like, All right. What what'd your wife write on your arm, Judy? Do the dishes after the show. No, I'm or talking about toilet. Oh, I did that before the show. <laughs> No, so she informed me. She kind of let me know what was going on in the end with Kevin, and oh, that was they were brilliant. Just kind of re they they were trying. She she calls him out on kind of rebooting out of out of ripping off the the super soldier serum. Uh huh. Finish. Which, so I, I was yeah. I found that amusing. I don't know. It was a little. It might be a little too meta for me, but so was the comic. So I mean, it fits. 
exactly like that's the thing is like that's what the comics were so mm-hmm. yeah it works it's just and that kevin was a robot that was unexpected <laughs> yeah that was i'm sorry i love that that was just like but it makes sense right like the argument about things being formulaic and oh so you're gonna have the hero fight a, a copy of themselves at the end which is what they almost did at the end of this season and it was like and she's like you like <laughs> but of course a robot would this is successful and can keep spitting the same thing out you know like i i it would have been too meta for me except that tatana is just so freaking adorbs and 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 when she spoke when she was telling when she was you know going after kevin for like you know the formulaic stuff and what's with all the the daddy issues and and hey where are the x-men and you're like oh my god you're just reading the comments yes (laughs) it's just the comments section this is awesome (laughs) you know because i mean like at least they're aware of of the issues whether or not they address them is an t- entirely different thing, but true. But but at least they know. Hey, these are your issues, dude. It's been twelve years now. Maybe you should start doing something different because we are getting tired of the hero always fights somebody with the same powers as him. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. I mean, and that's. Is it better to shine a light on your problems, or is it better to kind of just work on them and move forward? Well, as long as they're not sh- as long as they're not doing that thing where they shine a light on their problems, and therefore they can't be problems because we shined a light on them. We we acknowledge them, and therefore think... they are not problems. No, 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 they are problems. You have to do something. It, it's like a lot of a lot of TV shows or or movies will do that meta thing where they they acknowledge a a problem like you know in a horror movie it's like hey you know we shouldn't go into the dark room but you know then they go in the dark room and it's like well like scream that was the whole point of scream right like right it was meta it was pointing out the formulaic nature of horror movies and it created all new tropes that were repeated yeah but it also fell subject to those same tropes and eventually became what made fun of yeah that's what i'm saying they even and they also created new tropes that they became subject to in their own series so it's yeah like trips are going to always exist right because like people... right, right but the, but the thing is like the, the the problem being that you know if you see them too much it starts to detract from everything so, like like the i i and you know if you watch everything wrong with you know cinema sins it's like every almost every time it's like you know the the come come here and take a look at this cliche you know or the the, I'm eating an apple to, to make me look like an asshole. It's like these things that are in every single movie and you get tired of it because it's just stupid. I'm going to agree, but then I'm going to point out a time that Marvel tried to subvert expectations and change things around. And people call it one of the, one of the not the, but one of the worst Marvel movies. And that's Iron Man 3. I disagree with that immensely. I don't think they changed up. Yeah, they didn't really. No, like they, were, they, they subverted were just, like the Mandarin still... really wasn't the Mandarin. Like that's no, he but then he was another that's the thing though. He was another rich guy with a company who wasn't as good as Tony Stark building an, another I just about, Stark. Uh, and doing a super Ar- soldier Aldrin serum. Killian, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that's no that, yeah, Killian I mean, uh, Killian, whatever. The the extremist guy, like that's yeah, it was the same. That was my I think it would have subverted Marvel movie if we would have had a set we were advertised Tony Stark versus Osama bin Laden. And we just got Iron Man redo. Well, it would have been would have well, been better if they'd expect that would have been good, or if it had been really 
the ten if it had been really what's his name right the ten ring guy yeah, I was like, oh yeah instead of an actual mandarin but they the mandarin they, right. they yeah. did not market the mandarin as that they marketed him as basically osama bin laden yeah that but if it had, their version of it but yeah if they had done the actual mandarin that'd have been good too but they didn't yeah because then you're you're going against the the Mokleron, you're going the Mokleron rings versus Tony Stark's tech. I mean, you know, magic for that would have been interesting to see. Like, you know, that's a death battle type of thing. You don't, you know, weapons, armor, and, and skills. True. You don't know who's going to come out on top because they're different weapons, armors, and skills, right? Yeah, I get it. I don't know. Yeah. I still think I do think it's when they do things that people don't expect, people crap on them. Well, that's again, their keep... problem, but the but the thing is, by the same token, those people that are crapping on that are the same ones going. Well, this is boring because it's the same thing. No, I don't know if it's the same people. Actually, I think it's actually I think it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like if you do yeah. the same thing, you know, X amount of population a bitch. If you don't do anything, then X amount of population are going to bitch. Like they're they've reached a the point they're so big they can do nothing right. <laughs> True. True. But but then if you do something different, you're guaranteed to get new people in your audience. And, and, and if you lose, if you lose a few, you're not going to lose as many as you keep. And if you keep doing, if you keep like adding to what your formula is, you, you'll wind up with a much bigger audience at the end than you will just by doing the same thing over and over again. No, it's the opposite. I think that is what we've seen here. I think that the more you, they don't do a lot of new things because people say they want new and different, but Dave's right. When people do new and different, you complain. Right. So that's why you do some variation upon the formula. They do need to stop to mix up the formula, but I don't think that's to gain new viewers. Cause let's be honest. Did anybody, was anybody who's watching She-Hulk completely a Marvel virgin coming in? I don't think so. No, I don't think it could be either. Right. Again. Yeah. Nor should you be. Again, I've been saying for a year, a couple of years now, this is how these things are designed. They're not going to, they're, they're not in trying to win fans at this point. They're retaining fans. Yeah. Right. They're trying to keep people from moving on to the next thing. There is no next thing out. DC um, is making trying. sure of that. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. But there are people that are trying. Like, I mean, they're competing with like Stranger Things and, you know, House of the Dragon and, you know, stuff like that. That's their competition. Exactly. No. And that's, that's the point. Yeah. And, but that, and John said that too, right? In the sense, like, they're trying to retain fans by not deviating too much from the formula. But then something new, like the Rings of Power, comes along and, takes away from the marvel because it's new you know but you're right like it's it's a tightrope to walk between keeping fans and trying to get new because you're right can they get new fans at this point i don't know yeah they can from who like who doesn't know what the marvels at this point oh yeah but kids growing up like this thing's been around so long you're getting a whole new generation coming up now that's gonna you know but they're they're already being inundated with spider-man and his amazing friends right and there's a barrier to entry cartoons yeah that's at this point there is a barrier to entry there is we've reached and i was thinking i was wondering (laughs) this myself i wonder when we're going to reach the point where the barrier of entry is too steep are we are we going to reach the point where the Marvel Cinematic Universe fans are going to become as bad as comic books, where they will not accept mm. change, right? Because we've been dealing with the same group of Gen Xers for the last, you know, 35, 40 years in comics who kind of keep comics, you know, complain whenever there's anything new or different going on. And they're the ones that go to the shops. So they're the ones that create this. Like I'm, I, I'm coming to think that long continuity is not a positive. I'm starting to think that it is actually a deterrent. From winning new fans and eventually they are going to have to redo the marvel cinematic universe yeah but yeah. you got to remember that the the barrier to entry here is starting Big. with no yeah it's it's a lot of time but the starting point is iron man 
And that's good enough to hook a lot of people. It is. It is. But at the same time, we're getting people like Iron Man is now 15 years old, right? So you're getting or 14 years old, maybe 15 coming up. Like you're starting to get people like that's an old movie. Like there's kids that will walk around and think that something from 2008 is quote unquote old. Except that it still looks good compared to today. It does. But I mean, like we're also looking at it as the eyes of middle-aged men. Like kids look at things differently. Uh-huh. Right. They're looking for the next cool thing. And maybe, maybe it will stay as Marvel, but now they're in a fight to keep people on. And I wonder, I just watched werewolf by night today. I just, I wonder if we've gone, part of me wonders if, if we've gone too far. So, okay, let's, let's, okay. Not talk about that yet. Yeah. But, but to JD's point, the star Wars, the original star Wars movies, right. To us, they look amazing, you know, especially compared to other stuff from that time. Like it's all practical effects, but like, it looks really good. It's convincing that you're watching an outer space battle. Yeah. I worked at a place and there was a younger guy there who had never seen, it was not a fan of any Star Wars because he was, he was at that age where he was too young to have seen the original movies and too old to have wanted to watch the prequels when they came out. So, so he was born in what, the late 80s then or something hmm. like that? Something like that. So like he... When I asked him, like, oh, well, did you ever watch the original movies? Like, well, I tried to once, but they just look so bad, you know? And it's true. To him, it looks really bad because he's looking at stuff that's... But if you compare it to Laser Blast and Battle Beyond the Stars, it's, yeah, but no it's one knows freaking what, awesome. I know, no I know. That is. I and know. Like, I think it's the Shea Serrano was the film critic that said there's no good movie made before the year 2000. What? There's a, there's a, I think it was, I think believe it was Chase Serrano, the film critic, when he's just talking about how movies from the previous century don't hold up and that they're hard to watch. And I disagree, but I do think there's an audience that believes that, that has a hard time, right. especially like, there's an audience that has a hard time. Like we like going back and I'm raising my kid to go back and watch old movies. Right. And, but you have to be raised like that. Right. There's a lot of people that look at something old and to them old is, and this is again this is how our culture kind of educates is that anything old is bad until it becomes nostalgic in which case it becomes good yes and i do think and it's funny too because i think our generation especially because they do things to appeal to us right like tons marvel is is a nostalgia thing to appeal to us and to bring in new fans but it's done in a way where it does honor the original comics you know (laughs) But I can remember my father saying at one point, there was no good music recorded after 1965. Like the complete opposite that's, mentality. That's the Simpsons line, right? There's everyone knows rock and roll attained perfection in 1974. It's a scientific fact. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the add, golden age of science fiction is 12. Add add to the add this to to your calculations. There is a whole contingent on YouTube of reaction videos by people that are probably anywhere from i'd say 20 to 35 there that uh, reaction videos for stuff like the fly the thing alien was it jaws i will argue and they and they are like they go back and they watch those things and they're like oh my god this is so good and they they want to watch more and you but you have to have a growth mindset and there's a lot of people who don't have growth mindsets we talk about this a lot in sports is this this desire to this ability to train your brain to want to learn and to constantly grow and there's people that apply that just naturally have this mindset where they're willing to go back and look at stuff but there are people who perhaps don't hold pop culture in high regard who automatically assume anything that's before them is bad yeah and there i'm not i'm the guy i agree i'm there are tons of things because i i'm a true believer that 
the late seventies to the early nineties is like the pinnacle of genre cinema. Again, I'm biased because that's when I grew up. Right. So, I mean, in my mind, that is like the stuff, but, and, and our culture is really pushing nostalgia toward that stuff right now. And I, my brain is in that cultural zeitgeist. I firmly believe that, but I know a lot of people that won't go back and watch old movies. They think they're trash. I, I mean, there are reaction videos for Blazing Saddles and Airplane, and it's like... Well, that's different. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's... You know, they but watch those they, No, that's the other thing, too. It's like, <laughs> I also think you have to realize, think about when you were a kid in the 80s and your parents wanted to watch a movie from the 50s, and I you were like, I was, no, this I never stinks. Had, I never had that. My oh, mom... Okay. My mom was a big film film buff. I was going to say film snob, but she never quite made it to the snob level. So when we grew up, like I think I've told the story on the, the show before that I would sit there and stare at the horror video section in the movie store, too scared mm-hmm. to walk in. And my mom's like, all right, if you want to watch this, we're going to start from the beginning. So she made us watch Bela Lugosi, Dracula, Boris Karloff, Frankenstein. And mm-hmm. then I was going and getting these books and I was into it. And then we would watch the Marx Brothers. Like, again, we were raised that old movies are great. Like was like that has to be something I think that is imparted onto you. Otherwise, you might not find it yourself. Because I remember taking film study courses in college, and there are people in my classes that are like, "Oh, we have to watch these old movies." You know, we're watching like Citizen Kane and like <laughs> Blow Up and stuff like the, the like legitimate classics and Truffaut. And I get it's not for everybody, but you know, it wasn't. People were mad because we weren't watching Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, you know, I think you have to be. I do. I think you have to kind of have that growth mindset or be raised to experience art from a previous yeah. generation you also have to real like people and i think it's getting less and less you have to have an appreciation to understand like the stuff that came before made what we're watching now possible all art this is my favorite quote all art is either a rejection to or an embracement of whatever came before hmm. yeah i mean that covers everything but yes <laughs> i mean it does it really does and once you understand that I mean, once you really adopt that model, you start really getting that, okay, this is this way because of this. Right. It's either like your punk, like punk rock. Punk rock exists because they hated what was going on with like uh, 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 prog rock and stuff like that. So it's yes. a complete rejection to yes. prog rock. Prog rock exists because they thought that what was being done in the, in, in the 50s and 60s was just too damn simplistic. Yes. And stupid. So they were trying to elevate the genre. So saying those things, you know, all art, it's like, you know, it's it's Dadaism, right? Dadaism is is realism is terrible, right? It's all and pop art is no man. Dadaism is wrong. Ever like soup cans are beautiful. Like it's it's, (laughs) it that's that's how art goes. And it's so once you once you figure that out, it gives you a new appreciation because you can look at stuff with a different eye. Yeah. So I think we so like, the only thing way off of the she-hulk. all right all right so the only i will say one last thing about the she-hulk finale oh yeah this was she-hulk <laughs> forgot okay yeah. i enjoyed it i, I liked how they did that it. was three years ago too. kevin you know her breaking the fourth wall and coming into our quote-unquote reality and then kevin being a robot all funny great stuff and at the end they throw a twist at us they introduce a character i never thought they would introduce in the mcu scar yeah I was so thrown off by that. And I'm like, where are they going with this? So, yeah, I was shocked. It's not a word I, I was really prepared to use surprised. And Michelle was telling me, I'm like, is he, is he his son from Sakaar? She said, yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. We're, we're still embracing planet Hulk, which is surprising. And how, how much of an impact that limited series really has left on the Thor and now Hulk and Thor, excuse me, properties. Like I'm mm-hmm. very, 
very surprised on what like stuck. It's like the late 2000s have become this kind of like what would come after bronze? Like Iron Age? I don't even know. I guess what comes after bronze? What came after copper? I have no, I have no clue. I think like, bronze is. I mean, like iron in. Yeah, there's iron in bronze. I'm not sure what comes after iron bronze. Someone, if there's an anthropologist listening to the show right now, please tweet us at superhero speed. Well, iron, the I'm iron age did come after the bronze age, though. Did in... it come? So we are the iron age, which actually kind of fits because it's the age that started with Iron Man. So I'm going to steer into that skid now. <laughs> okay, we are in I'm the gonna, iron age. I'm going to embrace it. It was the age of heroes, I think, that come after that, and then and after the bronze age, and then the iron age and i think and that's it because it's all of it it's works. all based on greek greek mythology so. yeah, it all it all fits so we sure call this the age of heroes that works too but we're in the age of information so the decline of man anyway it's true. we're saying i have no idea uh, the early 2000s oh yeah it's had like such an the impact late, the late 2000s because yeah, your civil it's like look at what's dominating a lot of this stuff like we're still doing civil war right mm-hmm. that has an impact well now we're doing secret invasion you know we're still doing planet hulk like this is all stuff that was big you know at the same time as when yeah. iron man came out right yep. like, this was stuff that came out around that same exact moment so it's it's weird to me that we're that we're there and dc can't not let go of the crisis <sighs> No, <laughs> you, I forgot. I forgot to look at the show notes. Did we put in the new deal DC is doing? No, I did not see that. But you can talk about that when we get there. All right. So let's real quick do some social media madness. I gotta go. What? Kidding. Sort of. <laughs> let's start off with Kassan tweeted at us. He said criticism of She-Hulk as a neckbeard reaction. Clever, wow. even if it, even if it is cowardly. Still, 7.5 out of 10. Oh, sorry. Also, just wrapped She-Hulk. I'll elevate the ranking to a 7.5 out of 10. The last two episodes focused the plot of the season nicely. I like the Kevin bit. Also, I can appreciate how Disney used the Intelligentsia group to stamp all. Hmm. Oh, to stamp all criticism. Now I realized I read it backwards. Dude, you gotta let me read these. These are like... As a neckbeard reaction. Okay. Yeah, no. So, so Kassan liked it as well, which, which doesn't surprise me. And then <laughs> Random Brandy Savage of Cult 45 said, Hey, I'll do you guys one better. For episode eight of She Hulk, a person of color was publicly humiliated, got upset, and then the police took them to jail. What? Really? Well, <laughs> that was in, the episode in, before yeah. the finale where. Intelligentsia revealed a bunch of information and showed a bunch of stuff during the award ceremony, and she 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 raged out. She and she like got dest- she didn't really destroy any. I mean, she destroyed a couple of TVs and she then dest- ran through a wall, and boom, that was it. And and then they arrested her. Well, like they, her. but but I mean, yes, but she did rage out. Like that's the whole point. So, but she's green, so she is a person of color. Oh, <laughs> so that is a great observation, Randy. Yes, I never would have made that connection. So. So that's that's some comments on She-Hulk. Keep us a little more focused. And then, oh, my mouse isn't working. Werewolf by Night, which we will be talking about in a minute. But Kasana also tweeted about us about this. Come on. John's emphatic re- recommendation of Werewolf by Night convinced me to watch it last night. It was good. The cinematography was excellent. The overall movie suffered from some inconsistencies. With that said, a solid 7.5 out of a 10. So, Kassan, you're just giving everything a 7.5. <laughs> That's fine. 
I don't no. know what inconsistencies he's talking about. I, like, I don't really keep good track of those, but like, I don't know. Maybe it was, I, well, yeah, we'll talk about it after. Okay. Okay. I can skip the next one because we already talked about JD being on the other show. And then we talked last week about the rumors at the time that Henry Cavill has returned as Superman in Black Adam and to which. Let me scroll down here. Randy, random Randy Savage said, sure, I would actually like to see this super Superman written by someone competent. Please, yes. <laughs> he also said, he's not the issue, it's that Miller boy, a domestic terrorist that needs to be let go and bring my boy Grant to the big screen. <laughs> and then Inder10, who's at Inder underscore 1017, said, yeah, it got leaked. So I will say this. I have seen the leaked footage. He is definitely in Black Adam. So I think uh, Dwayne Johnson definitely wants some time with Henry Cavill on the screen. And what The Rock wants, The Rock gets if you smell what I'm cooking. <laughs> it's definitely like a quick thing. It's definitely an after credit scene. You can tell it was done like last minute on a soundstage somewhere. But, you know, well, whatever. Where everything's yeah, exactly. So. But but yeah, and we have green screens in my classroom for God's sake. So you missed this last week, JD. But like one of the main things is you know he shows up, and the music is the John Williams Superman score. I will believe it when I see it. Yeah, and I will too. see it this week because I'm actually very excited to watch this movie. Black Adam being one of my favorite DC characters. So yeah, I mean, and it's I kind of feel like they did that, and it's I think that's a signal, in my opinion, of we're going to keep henry cavill as superman but we're going to separate ourselves from the snyderverse and here here's some john williams to prove that i think that's fine i think that's smart and i think if this is true this is a leak from warner because i don't know if people realize that a lot of these quote-unquote leaks are done to get messages into the media to you know or to trial balloon things or trial balloon things. john is correct like i think this is warner trying to do things right i think they realize there's you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And there are things about the Snyder versus the work. Man of Steel is not one of those things. Mm-hmm. But the dude who was the Man of Steel is, you know, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with Henry Cavill. I think you hear him talk about Superman. I think that guy gets the character. Yeah. And he just, you can, as an actor, you can only transcend your material so much. Right. I mean, that whole script is a mess. Um, we've talked about Dog that. Shit. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's all over the place. Like, it doesn't there's know nothing what it wants that, to be. Yeah. It, it, and there's no there's no con- coherent storyline through the and, whole thing. It's just and, and it got worse. <laughs> that was the highlight of Henry Cavill playing Superman was yes. out of steel. That's Everything the worst part. It gets get worse. Worse. Oh my Superman god. Superman versus Bat Superman B- v Batman, you know, which I believe was a case saw by the by the Supreme Court in the year of our Lord 26 was worse. It was terrible. Oh my god, it is that I'm going to go on record and say that's possibly it's worse the worst superhero movie ever made. Yeah, it's worse. I remember seeing the the weed in Justice League. I'm like, eh, it's better than Batman ever Superman. It was about, that's honestly what I came out and said. Eh, it's I mean, it's not Meteor great, Man better. was better than that. Whoa, Meteor whoa, whoa, whoa. Meteor Man is Robert Townsend and is actually entertaining. Right, exactly. Meteor Man is well, ill of Meteor Man. I would Blank rather Man watch Batman wins. and Robin than <laughs> Batman v Superman. You know what, Dave? I hate Batman and Robin with the white hot passion of a thousand suns. And you're right. <laughs> 
A supercomputer calculating to the heat depth of the universe could not give you the number of fucks I do not give about that movie. We're, we're not talking about Superman 3. We're talking about Batman and Robin, Batman v Superman. Yep. Which I believe was the next season of Law and Order. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's it for Social Media Madness. So on that note, here's our good friend D-Square to tell you how you can follow Superheroes Speak and be a part of Social Media Madness. Enjoying the show? Want to be part of Social Media Madness? Make sure you are following SuperheroSpeak.com where you can find all of the show's social media links at the top of the page. While you're there, you can check out old episodes of the podcast as well as some other great content. Check the site often because we are posting some great comic reviews as well as comic book and movie news content every day. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at SuperheroSpeak. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them at stars underscore geek. The Geek World All-Star Podcast Network includes great programs such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag GWAllStars. You will not be disappointed. Now, it's back to Dave and the boys on Superhero Speak. All right. Thanks for that, Don. I'll say one more time until I know for sure uh, it's gone. Or you can at least always watch the old episodes. Don't forget to check out the Omega Level Nerds podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever podcasts are available. On that note, we'll take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. all right so we don't have a lot of news to talk about because we have a couple other things so i was gonna what's this warner thing that i missed so actually i was just throwing down a message because i haven't talked to him in a couple weeks so give me one second (laughs) how are you doing it made that made me think about it so i haven't talked to him since he yeah just check in you know you you gotta (laughs) We well, gotta check in with your friends when there yeah. might be stuff going on. So hey, just reaching out, bro. What DC announced that they will be doing a new program with their digital comics, their DC Infinite Universe app. That's right. We were supposed to yes. talk about this last week, and, and I, I thought, wasn't there. I didn't push it. Yes, so, they're adding a new level where you can get the comics a month after they come out, as opposed to six months, which is what the Eliminates had always done. Right for a hundred bucks, you get the yeah. whole catalog one month after it's released. And I don't know, man. I did DC Infinite. The problem with the older books is you have to be like in a mood, right? Like you got to be in a mood to go back and look at older books. So if I wasn't in the mood to go back and look at older books, I found that I wasn't using it. I'm curious because I do want to go back and start following stuff well, again. I, but I, the I barrier of entry is high. But if I have access to the entire line, I don't know. Maybe I'm willing to jump into that. I'm, I'm really waiting back. Has it officially launched yet? I'm not sure. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember what the launch date was. It was coming up. I think it was October is when they were launching it. So the thing is, it's like, it made me think they've had the weirdest rollout. Like the initial app was a curated catalog. Like yeah, the original DC app, it was like, oh, not it's not everything. It's a curated collection. Just like HBO Max was. And then, yeah. and then slowly they started adding everything. Still and now it's like, term. okay. You want to where Marvel was like, it's been unlimited. It's been six months. 
old since its launch. That's it. Like, there's no, no games or anything. Like, and it's obviously working for them, I guess. Well, of course, the other thing that Marvel does, and I don't know if DC offers this, is their books have a code. Like, if you buy the physical book, you can scan the code that's on the book and get the digital download. Which is fucking stupid, in my opinion. Because I'm like, if I bought the damn book, why am I getting the digital? Why do I want the digital? Why, why do they I'm do that? With... I'm alone. This is me. I think it's stupid. But whatever. Why, why do people? Why do people buy the Blu-rays and DVDs that come out that have the digital download code? Well, nobody buys them anymore. Well, you're, you're, you're not. Buying. I know it's... quite a few people that still buy. I physical but media. speaking but, studies wait, that say otherwise. Speaking no speaking as somebody anecdotal. Right. But speaking as somebody who does that, I don't I don't care that the digital code comes with it. I don't even bother because the last time I started setting all those up, the company <clears> that all the digital rights were were given to went out of business. And you didn't even get notified until after the after the deadline for transferring all your stuff from one old service to the new service. So I lost everything anyway. But I still have the hard copies, and that's what I want. Well, there's like there's now two companies that do it, and one of them's Apple. So, and Apple's not going anywhere anytime soon. And the thing is, like the people I know that do it, like they buy the physical copy and they want it because of said reason of mm-hmm. that other companies going into business. But they like the convenience of you just scan the barcode and it comes up on your on your app and you can just log in with your Roku and watch the movie. And there are people that do that, but it's, that's not the majority of people. So, I mean, Mm. as a comic book collector, I like the idea of buying the book, scanning it, and then putting the comic in a bag and then reading a digital copy. So my fingerprints don't get on the physical copy. I mean, I get that. And there's, again, that's a, I wonder, I wonder if that type of a collector is going to become a generational. I don't know. I don't know. If the Zoomers are going to feel the same way about physical media because they're not going to grow up with it. As well, far as collecting yeah. Physical media goes well, rec- records came back, so. <laughs> yeah, but they're not what they were. Records are now, they're like, yeah, how do I put this? It's a snob thing, right? Like, oh, I listen to records yeah. because the music is more. And like, it's, it's become a, a high ticket, though, right? Mm-hmm. They're expensive and they're a collector's item in that people still listen to the record. Like, I don't know if people are buying the record and putting it away and, like you do with a comic book, right? Yeah, true. True. But you're right. Records, vinyl is a thing again, which is mind blowing. But it's because I don't think a track is coming back. You know? No. Darn it. I'm waiting. (laughs) You want to get you? You still have stuff in your 74 Gremlin that you want to fire up? Well, look, look. (laughs) Records are coming back because of the because. Well, first off, it's pretty it it's a pretty cool thing to have these days because kids don't remember back in the day when you had like hundreds of them. But it's also it's also for the fidelity, whereas. The, the the reason why you're getting solid media now is because I don't want to pay 16 bucks to oh wait oh no 34 bucks to quote unquote own super sons on Amazon only have the rights pulled later because of what's going on with DC and- so here's my question though is do people are people interested in the idea of ownership of these things anymore or is the idea of having an infinite library with which you can just pull things from when you want it and return it when you don't is that the mode of the future because again these kids that i have nowadays they don't get the concept of buying a movie right you just get it for you know temporary you watch it and you put it back well you want it again you stream it again you know it's like it's a different the people younger than us have a different idea of media consumption like their their thought presses and how to imbibe media is just different i I totally agree with that because and i 
I know you guys aren't gamers, but I'm you can kind of a gamer. You can track that progression through video game companies. So like most video games, well, most big games when they come out, they'll have a pre-launch where if you are pre-order, where if you pre-order the game, you get bonuses with it, right? Yep. And it used to be like one of the only games I ever pre-ordered was online. And it came with like a physical map of the world. And I still have pen. that map. I ordered that too. Yeah. A little pin and a couple little yep. chotskis, like physical and a, things. And a, and a metal box. Right. Nowadays, and then like, and some of the like, I remember, what was it? There was a, a mech game that came out from Microsoft and it came with a giant statue of one of the mechs. You know, that was a couple decades ago. Now you get a skin. Yeah, in-game items. You get all digital stuff with when you pre-order. Like, stuff that you can also, a lot of times, later on buy. Some of it is exclusive, like, you had to get the pre-order to get the skin of, of this character or whatever. But it's just, like, it's all digital tchotchkes. Like, people don't care about those little physical things anymore. And the video game companies realize no, that. No, and it's, it's cheaper. Not that- it's not that people don't care about them. It's that the companies don't offer them anymore because it's way, it doesn't cost them anything to give you an extra skin and maybe a few extra gold pieces, which, which, which get you hooked enough that yes. you have to buy them with physical money. But they, they, I'm the telling you, people don't care them. because if people cared, no one would pre-order games anymore. And people are still pre-ordering no, games because no, they no, want no, the digital chotskis. The, no, no, no. I have reason- a kid who cares more about digital chotskis than physical things. I have a girlfriend who has kids who care more about digital right, chotskis right. anymore. But, but like, again, that's what I'm saying. The younger generation but, doesn't care about physical things But anymore. only because the companies aren't offering them because the companies can make more of a margin off of giving you something for free, like a bunch of ones and zeros, instead of going out, contracting somebody to make a die cast metal figurine t- 10 inches high and sending them out. But at the same time, they don't have the value on that kind of stuff. Like they're, Like I said, I work with kids, right? Yeah. They care about what they care about is what they can get in here. Yeah. Right? That is, that is their world. He's like, pointing to his phone, by the way. I'm, oh yeah. Sorry. This is not a video show. Yeah. I was <laughs> We're having a conversation via, what is this? Zoom. Zoom. Uh, Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So I get what you're saying, but I mean, like, for us, we grew up, and again, we're comic guys. Like we grew up going to the comic shop, buying stuff. You know, I like going to the video store. I used to love Suncoast Video and collecting these things. But I'm a tech junkie. I would rather have the like as a, as a guy who sells books. As much as I love this, you know what I love more? I love when I sell digital books because I don't got to do nothing. Exactly. I you know, just I proved agree. my point. No, I know, but that's the thing. Is like <laughs> the consumer wants it. The consumer's like, oh, I can get this cheaper. And I don't have to clutter. My wife has forbidden me from buying comics. <laughs> well, like, I don't want it, the clutter. You, you yeah. say cheaper, but there they you, you notice that like books actually still continue to get more expensive after they went all digital on Kindle and everything. Well, yeah, and same thing with the comic the cost, books. Yeah. The cost of printing isn't cheaper. Shit is expensive. This is like I, I'm not thrilled that I'm selling a, a, a hardcover book for $40, but I've got to make money at the same right, time. Right. Whereas but, like but, it's pure profit if I send them a five dollar digital. Right. Book. And Ex- exactly the same thing happened with digital music. When you went from mm-hmm. CDs to digital music, the prices never went down. They actually went up. And and it it wasn't it it wasn't because it, it I mean it didn't I will match say that. it 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 matched the same as if they were printing physical media but they just increased their profit. I will say that, and it's one of the things that bugs me. Like because sometimes a movie comes out that I didn't see in the theater, and it comes its first run on digital, and I want to see the movie, and it really bothers me that it's mm-hmm. to buy the movie is the same price as it is to go into the store and buy the physical disc, and I'm like. 
but it's not costing it's costing you less to just put this on a server and let me access it but that is a way for them to make their partners happy who are in the, the physical media business right oh it's i know i get it because we, if it was cheaper it. everyone right. would just buy the digital correct but there are people that do like it and that's the incentive to get because there's these waves right there's these waves of consumers you have your frontline consumers that are out there day one ready to, to, to go to the movies or buy this stuff at shops and then you have your wave too like you know, you guys buying stuff like you talk about going to the store and buying things and like trade waiters. Right. And there's your mm. wave three, the people that will sit there and will, are patient and are willing to spend less money that don't need to have it in a certain amount of time. Right. And they're still kind of figuring out how to do this stuff as far as these streaming projects go. But I mean, it's the same mentality. Yeah. So for me, this Warner, this, this DC thing, if I want to read a bunch of comics and I love reading comics, but it's an expensive hobby. Right. But if I'm so if I have to drop a hundred bucks once and I have access to the count to the catalog for a year and I get into something, that's pretty good. Whereas I could drop a hundred bucks over the course of probably three months yeah. at the shop, you know? Yeah. That let, books go quick. Let, let, let me put it to you this way. We're gonna like Battle of the Super Sons, right? You can you can order the movie for $19.99 to quote unquote own it on Prime Video, right? Or you can spend $27 for the 4K blu-ray with digital code edition meaning you can watch it in 4k or blu-ray and or watch it digitally for 27 bucks and you don't have to worry about when dc implodes and they pull their the rights for the movie from amazon yeah but that's probably not good i mean like i would rather just buy it on streaming and have it there like i don't want physical media anymore. like i said i'm selling books because i like books i have this um, emotional attachment to just reading a book and feeling a book like it's one of the few things that i still have that for but some people are don't have that attention to anything or don't have that like they would rather have the access to maybe yes th there's a good chance those rights do expire at some point you're an amazon so probably not they're hmm. probably safe for the majority of your life but maybe not so so, so, so you're saying people don't just want like digital stuff stuff that doesn't take so so how many t-shirts you gonna sell there's i hope <laughs> yeah exactly i hope a lot but that's the thing though but you're super that's why we do different levels of things right it's because you're attacking a different level of consumer like if i'm going to attack someone who is into physical media likes all the tchotchkes likes all the stuff i'm going to get them to spend more money but at the same time i guess i got people that will buy my five dollar you know i'll get every time to say i have the same people that come back and buy my five dollar stuff they like it they're just not going to spend the big money. I'm that re I'm that guy when it comes to Kickstarters. I very rarely back above a digital pledge level because that's all I want. I mean, I want something to read in digital where I can just have it on my iPad and, and do uh, the media that way. See, I always go for the physical media. But I but then again, I'm ancient. So, you know, I, I but it's again that you came up differently. Like I said, I'm younger than you. Hmm. Like I'm like I'm I'm an old Y. But right? you, like I'm old generation Y. Like I I have I've got my foot in both worlds a little. You know, I, I I get the I get the desire to want the physical media, but I also love the convenience of of streaming stuff. So I like I hang out in both worlds a little bit. Like I said, I'm, I I get it from both aspects. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough being old. Word. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I'm kind of curious too. Like those who are listening, is that something that appeals to you? Would you pay the extra hundred bucks to get question. the books a month? You know, quick to the polls. Cool. We will do a poll on this. All right, um, I got it. Or did I, I was going think... that? Thank you, John. We will move. We will move. We'll move on now to across the aisle to Marvel with a little bit of bad news. Blade has lost the director, so they have now put the movie on hold. Fired his ass. 
<laughs> until they could find a new director. Yes. It, what? Why did they? Why he did they fire? In, he turned in like an eighty-eight page script, and they were like, "This is Eight, your movie." Eighty-eight. That's it. Yeah, that's what they said. Feige's like, "What are we doing here?" And apparently, they read it and they were like, "What is this?" Like, apparently, it was not good. Did it involve a giant spider? Did he get it from Kevin Smith? Oh my god! <laughs> so like, and John Peters actually. John Peters. And John yeah. Peters. Yeah. Did what he was told. No, apparently they just weren't happy with the work, and they said, "Well, we can." And I prefer that they back this up rather than try to force it out because they. So one thing I think Marvel does better than like DC or most of these places when, you know, they set a target, but if it's not working, they'll go, all right, you know, back to the lab. You yes. Know? And I would prefer they do that because I don't want them to drop the ball on this Blade movie. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of love for, as far as the film goes. I don't want them to screw this one up. No, yeah. no. And I do think a lot of people are, like you said, they're, they're, they're waiting for this movie, right? Like mm -hmm. the Wesley Snipes movies are cult classics. Like, like a lot of people have gone back and love those movies. Well, the first two. Sorry, Ryan. Oh, he knows it. Yeah. So it wasn't entirely Ryan, though. I mean, Wesley Snipes. Oh, it's was... David fucking Goyer. Let's put the blame where it belongs. True, true. But Wesley Snipes didn't help with being a drug addict during all of three. And they and also being said they, they also had a tonic the whole time. They also put him in the movie to phase him out of the movie. If you were doing a movie because they were trying to phase you out, if you go to your job every day and they said you're only here till the end of the month where we can fire your ass. How much effort are you going to put in? True, which comes back to Goyer, right? That's David like, Goyer. Yeah. So of course, this has caused other ripples where now they have shifted their yep, schedules oh, for the yes. other movies coming up. So Blade has moved to September 6, 2024. Let's see if that we don't know if that's going to hold true at this point, right? Because the what if they don't find a director until 2024? Who's the I can't think of the actor's name, the guy Marshall playing Blade. Ali. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Like years ago, he was told you're playing Blade and you've been waiting all this it's time. It's been two years. I mean, at the same time, I think you want it done right. You know, because I don't think yeah. he's like, I don't think he's against the decision, you know, because he hasn't come out and say, this is bull, you know, Marvel's screwing us. I don't want, because he hasn't walked from the project either. True. He you could know? walk. He could walk. He's wants this. I think he wants this to be done right. Well, he, I don't, wasn't it? He came into the. Yes. He says, I want, they said, we want to work with you. He said, I want to be Blade. Right, right. Like he he said, I want to be Blade. So that's yeah. I don't think he's going to walk away from it. No. So you're going to have to be a little patient. They hired the wrong guy. That happens sometimes. You know. Yeah. I'd rather they fire a guy who they know right away didn't do a decent job and try to find the right guy than just well, we'll fix it. In Deadpool three is now November eighth, twenty twenty four. What was the original date on that? I it was it was in that video. Damn it, that they released. It was September? I thought right. Yeah, September two months yeah fantastic but, four is a better release date anyway fantastic four is no longer 2024 it is 2020 february 14th 2025 we don't even have cast for that so I mean, secret wars is moving back six months to may 1st 2026 and the kang dynasty is may 2nd 2025 well if they get it right then we'll be much happier than if they pull a dc right. <clears throat> i mean i am wondering they, though because on the same note, since they announced two Avengers movies at the same time, are they doing a two-parter? Probably. Yep. Like they did with Endgame and I would assume Infinity so. War. It'd be it neat if they time. if this time they they filmed them at the same time and just put them out like you know like like they did with the Back to the Future two and three put put them they out one in the beginning and one in the end right. So well, that was because they put they put two because I remember this they put Back to the Future two out in christmas season yeah they had like a no they had like a november late november release date mm -hmm. and then three came out in may so it was like six months yep 
So there was no mention of moving like the Marvels. I'm trying to think, what else? They're probably is... moving things around for their timeline. Yeah. Or yeah. So it had a, whatever happens in this is a big, you know, yeah, has big affects everything else. Locals, yeah. Right. Right. So I guess the Marvels is probably. I mean, they did that with stuff. we did that with WandaVision and you know Multiverse of Madness and worked out okay. What's the other? There were there's a couple of movies we're waiting for, right? Oh, Captain America, New World Order, New World Order, New 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 World Order. <laughs> Do you remember? So I also wanted to ask this, and we kind of talked about it a little bit already with the pandemic and everything was like kind of streaming for a while, and now we're we're getting back to it. But Marvel still doesn't feel like they released two movies this year or three, no two. Doctor Strange and Thor, right? But does it feel like they had the same momentum they had around the time of Endgame? Like it doesn't, right? Like no. that that feels like it's gone at this point. Yeah, it does. This... I mean, like they'll have to build it up again. They are having to build it up again, and it's. I don't know if we're. I'll tell you what. I I teach, and I see kids that do like our T-shirts or like our our video our our collages our collages and stuff like that that we do in the graphics classes, and a lot of them are Marvel centric. Like these kids yeah. have grown up with these movies and they love them. So they have a, a good place in their hearts, but it's definitely not what it was, but how could it be? You know? Yeah. And I also kind of worry about, you know, there's that mentality, like kids who were young growing up with the stuff and then they start get to a certain age and it's like, Oh, that's kid stuff that I like that when I was younger and I'll, I don't want to be, I want to be cool now. You know? Yeah. Like I said, I got high school kids and they're like, they love this stuff. All okay. of them. Like it's not. I haven't seen. I guess from my experience, Marvel movies are just part of the culture. Yeah, like they just. Thought. It is what it, it is. But I mean, like it's we have that we have that acceptance for these things that we've always wanted. Right. Yes. And, and it's weird that we're here. It is, but at the same time, it's it's a good thing. Isn't it strange? Like when you've lived through stuff, and we've lived through a lot of stuff in our lives, and now we're on the other side of things, and how different it is for the kids who grew up on this side. Different. You know. Like, like when we were kids, you couldn't walk around and say, oh, I love Spider-Man. You know, I love the Fantastic Four, you know, like you would get when, laughed at. When we were kids, we could, we could go to the airport and wait right outside the gate for, for the people coming, coming in. It's like, there's, the, we've, we've been through way different things. But I'm just talking about uh, culture. Let's not, let's not, I, I let's know. not bring the audience down again, John. I know. <laughs> That's usually your hey, job, but not this week. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Back, back. What is I'm it, just looking at how much technology has changed everything. Oh, from from like the original Spider-Man movies, where where they they had him like hold his hand up, and then and they, they threw switched, a net. They threw they yeah you know, yeah two two gaffs through a net or something from behind the camera. It's like oh or, my god. It's funny. I was just thinking about this too because like I went to New York. Like I said yesterday with my girlfriend and her one son who's 17. And one of the things that Karen wanted to see, but we ended up not doing it, was the 9-11 memorial. So, okay, yes. So, yeah, I'm bringing the audience down. And it's so weird to think, like, her son, her her twins, my son, like, they were born after that. Like, they have no idea what the world was like before that, you know? And it's it's just, it's so weird. Anyway, I'm just being old. <laughs> but we are old, so... All right. Well, that is actually all the news I had this week because we got so some we, other goodies to talk about. Do we want to take a commercial break now or do we want to talk let's about do it. Let's right. a commercial now? Well, let's throw the commercial in now. We'll be right back with our main topic, I think. Possible. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
All right, we're back. I'll ask you guys, do you want to throw the interviews in now or do you want to do the main topic? Put them at the end. Okay, that's what I thought. All right, so our main topics are supposed to be twofold this week. Werewolf by Night and Sandman. So let's, should we start with the one that everyone's actually seen? Yes. All right, Werewolf by Night. Um, John, you were so emphatic last week. You yelled at our audience. Go watch it. Go watch it now. It's the best thing Marvel has ever done. Ever. That's what you said. So yes. do you still feel that way? I've watched it three times. I love the hell out of this thing. If 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 I could marry it and have kids with it, I would. I'm a little disturbed by that imagery, but okay. <laughs> well, we'll we'll just we'll just leave it with, with Laura yeah. Donnelly then. But uh, yeah, uh yeah, this this thing I was this, about to say Laura Donnelly is Elsa Bloodstone. Yeah, Gail who was, Garcia she was also Bennell in, is Jack Russell. Yep. Yeah. Eugene. Laura Donnelly was also in the Nevers Amazon show, which was really good, actually. How um, Samson Harris, who is what's her name? Verusa? I've been like she's so familiar. I know I've Frazier. seen her. She's Frazier's agent. That's it. Yeah. Thank I you. It. I knew it because we are we're a big we are a big Frazier family. And when the second she spoke, I texted my wife, like, oh my God, it's BB. BB, that's it. Oh my God. I was trying to place her the whole time I was watching it. Like, where do I know her from? To answer your question, I love the hell out of this thing. Like, it, I don't remember the last time. Well, okay. So it was probably Endgame is the last movie, Marvel movie, that had me like jumping up and down in my seat. Like, but but in this case, it was just me hitting the button on my phone to to, to have the announcer go, fatality, brutality. It's like, I mean... You, you you wouldn't think that Marvel put this out. I think, and I think the the only reason like they were able to get away with what they did they did was because most of it was in black and white. And the reason why it was in black and white originally, and the and the color at the end was for a whole another reason. Like this thing, this thing was just done perfectly. Okay, all right, John, we'll 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 take you off its leg for a second. <laughs> JD's gonna your, hate it, right? What was your That's, initial reaction? It's pretty good pretty good okay i got that i really liked it i'm not gonna lie the end when they play somewhere over the rainbow kind of lost me really kinda lost me yeah Why? I, I don't know i thought it was dumb like i, I, I was like there was a it. weird message there that we were missing i was like i'll be honest with you i like i liked act one i liked act two love and man thing showed up didn't see it coming i was like super into it and then I did not like that they cut away from the transformation. I think that's cheap in a werewolf thing. It's like, okay, it's Marvel. I hold you to a higher degree. That was done. Uh, on, I feel I like know it was done, done on, on purpose. purpose. It was done on purpose. But even in the Wolfman, you had like, you had like an attempt to do a, 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 a and that's what it, and all honestly, I thought that's it. what they were going to do, but, but the, no, they, yeah, they went no, for the, the they pull away. Cut uh, away. Do, and I just thought it was cheap. Uh, and uh, I, uh, you go, know that cut Continue. You, that cutaway when they have her against the bars mm-hmm. and you see the shadow mm-hmm. that was all one shot no special effects i think that's cool i just didn't like it i just i don't know man that's my that's my favorite part of werewolf movies like that's what made american werewolf in london so cool was the transformation same in the howling those transformations are great the wolfman has a really good transformation scene i just i didn't like that. and it's not like marvel hasn't done transformation scenes the whole I know. thank you i know and i just thought they could have i was ex- because it was marvel i was expecting something mm-hmm. i loved i, I love the black and white i love the universal horror movie aesthetic 
I liked the story. I thought the plot was good. Uh, when they cut back and showed the actual werewolf, I was severely disappointed. I love the. I thought he looked like Lionel. He did. I, I love. I did love in the very beginning when they do a special event. It's it. It's like back to the '80s, like special it, presentation thing. It reminded me of like ABC's Saturday or Sunday detective shows, like with the Columbo when they Columbo or McMillan and Wife or something like that. And uh-huh. I thought that was cool. Isn't I that what like, Werewolf by Night looks like though? I mean, that's what you... I don't think looks. Oh, like that kind of. I mean, kind of, but it just. I don't know, like supposed to look better like i i mean like i'm looking at man thing like you you did a good job on man thing it just i was underwhelmed with the actual i mean like that really took me out of it i was really disappointed when i saw the monster i was like oh okay like and then the end with somewhere over the rainbow i was just kind of like i don't know what i'm watching anymore like again it was an a right up until act three and then the, it was a, it's a solid b for me you know the somewhere over the rainbow thing was because they brought they color into it color. i get and, it. and the color was there because so, you went from the black and white thinking of all of these hunters to her john, who now has a colorful world just, just john i, I know how to do i know how to read a film like i, I, I just I didn't like okay. it okay i will say this i just looked it up the original werewolf by night did kind of look like they made him look in the show but in the modern things, he looks more like a wolf, like right. in the more modern I, books, which I, is weird for Marvel because normally they try to like do more more of the modern takes on the I, characters. I just didn't think he looked good. Like again, like I understand what it did. It just it looked like Michael Landon's I was a teenage werewolf. Like he didn't even look teen as wolf. good as Lanch. No, that was Michael J. Fox. No, no, no. I'm saying he looked like Teen Wolf. I don't think he looked you as mean- good as Teen Wolf, to be honest <laughs> with you. Having just seen Teen Wolf, I didn't I didn't like the practical effect on the monster makeup. And I just thought it was half ass. Like, I know they were going for an aesthetic, but it just didn't, it didn't land with They're me. going was, for Lon Chaney werewolf, right? It didn't look like Lon Chaney werewolf. It looked like Michael Landon's I was a teenage werewolf. Like Lon Chaney's Wolfman looked more like a monster than this one did. Like the, and, the it just, it didn't, it didn't work for me. There's okay. I'm going to say something here. I've broken John's weird. heart. I'm really, I'm really surprised. I'm going to say I'm, something here too. I totally gobsmacked. There's something to me that's weird watching black and white in high def i don't know why it's just weird to me i was okay with it i liked in the bloodstone was red i thought that was cool i did yeah i mean and again i get why they did it i i i I dug the whole feel of it i love the feel Mm -hmm. it feels like a 50s horror movie like it's done on purpose i Mm -hmm. like that like it's done well the acting's great in it but yeah there's there are a couple little bumps that take you out of it for a second and like one of them is no i liked the transformation but when he turned around i was expecting something (sighs) different i was expecting something more marvel something maybe cgi but no like they did practical makeup that isn't even as good as other werewolf movies that we've seen from the 50s i agree i don't think it was as good as launching so it was just like yeah i'm like yeah that just took me out of it you know and then wow when my wife laughed at it i was it hurt like i was like okay i'm out you know because it wasn't this didn't feel tongue-in-cheek to me it felt like they were trying to do a loving homage to universal horror but not making fun of it yeah right and i felt like when they revealed the monster they were making fun of it and i was like oh this didn't feel loving anymore this felt like you're and laughing when, at it when did this take place like that's the other thing i don't get if you, if you if you look if if you look at the dates on the some of the tombs when they were in that one tomb, mausoleum or whatever, it like some of them were in 1988, 1986. So this happened. This is in current time. Yeah, they're like current. 2025 Marvel time. They they showed the Avengers and they talked about what's going on 
right on the upper ground and this is what's going oh down that's the right beach. they did say that at the beginning but then like and this I'm is going to it. affect marvel they like they said that this is going to this is canon in marvel this isn't isn't but then i'm watching it and it's like i don't get like none of the hunters have modern looking weapons they they weren't allowed weapons they the, the weapons were they they couldn't bring what any of their found, own weapons yeah. In. yeah but even like when they came in it still felt like you want me to make you want me to feel like we're watching something in the 50s like and and i get that i don't know it just i guess it would have been jarring if they had cell phones you know wouldn't have bothered me but i, don't, I get the argument like i said i just didn't ultimately the monster didn't land with me like this whole thing had this vibe of like a, almost like a del toro type of deal where you love the monster right like it's about how much you love these things and when they showed me like when you watch a Guillermo del Toro movie a guy who clearly loves monsters when you see his monsters that are made with cut with like love and care like they try to like the like a del Toro monster looks amazing when you look at it and how can you do swamp thing looking just like man thing. not swamp thing man thing Looking just like Man Thing from the comics. Yeah, and you guys, you guys are spoiled. <laughs> I, like, we are. I, we are. I, I am just like I didn't. I didn't mind that. There were so many little touches in this. It's unbelievable. Like when he's in the cage with her and he's looking around. He's looking around. You see him look at the place where he's going to hide later on. He was looking for places where when he got out of the cage he'd be able to hide in the shadows so he could attack them like just little stuff like that all throughout we're not saying thing. it wasn't well written it wasn't good it was I'm very saying, well written i'm not saying yeah i don't think it was well written poorly at all mm. i think they were it felt to me like they were making fun of universal monster movies when they showed me the monster like when when guillermo Toro did the shape of water you showed me his creature from the black lagoon i clearly can tell he loves creature from the black lagoon yeah because yeah, he gave it what a 10 inch dick or something <laughs> hey man oh, she was satisfied oh my god you guys pan's labyrinth same deal like you know they look good like there's no reason marvel has to make a schlocky looking monster and say they're doing right. it for the purposes of art it felt like oh it felt not like you really were making take, fun of it not yeah you aren't really taking seriously. this seriously like yeah and if you're gonna but if it's gonna be silly let it be silly the whole time and i didn't maybe it was silly the whole time and i just didn't get it that's that's that what moment. i'm saying because when you watch the original trailer it felt like it was going to be comedic in a in a sense or like it was kind of poking poking I, fun I, at the at did, the original I didn't feel that watching the movie i didn't feel like it was poking right fun and at that's what scene. i'm saying then you're watching and it's like oh no this is they're doing a style and this is serious right yeah but then but then it's like well then why didn't you just do a little bit better with the makeup oh well then and, they did the, the phonograph playing somewhere over the rainbow i was just like what i don't i don't get it like it just it was weird i didn't I hate like I get the part. the transition like from black and white is the call back to to the Wizard of Oz and all that, but yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, beat me over the head with it. I get it, but I mean it just and the ruby slippers. I mean I I get it. It just I just don't think it worked. Like in horror, like it just or, it was an odd an odd choice to to play that. Like yeah, again I, I loved it. it to that I think point. it would have that scene would have worked better without the song. Yes, yeah, I agree. If it had been a different song, <sighs> I'd have been okay with it. But the fact that you made it somewhere over the rainbow like it just that's the problem with using music that's a tap that has it that has so many attachments to other pieces of pop culture is that you're hey wizard of oz get it black and white to color wizard of oz i'm sorry i also want to point out that's my weird confusion with the time frame because it was an old phonograph like an actual old where they had to spend like like okay fine you it's there's some kind of aesthetic here but 
you could have had an empty the aesthetic player. was that the guy the, the guy who had died was like really really old because the bloodstone lets you live a hell of a lot longer than okay normal. but it doesn't mean you don't buy new technology well, I mean, again, and like if it's 2025 the phonograph you you've had it for hundreds of years it's not going to work anymore but what no phonographs still work but why do they take it with them was my question like why is it outside i mean it just doesn't make sense to me because the phonograph was outside where man thing where russell and, and man why did man i mean that's it's stuff was there's weird choices and i don't i don't think those helped yeah like it, it felt very much like they were trying to let you in on a joke and i didn't really want a joke i didn't think i was being told a joke if you had told me this was like Deadpool, I'd have gone in ready to laugh. But like you got all these people getting eaten by this werewolf. Yeah. It sounds like my dog at the moment trying to sound you, like a werewolf. You got people being melted by man thing. Yeah. And then it's like somewhere over the rainbow and Lionel was running around. I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like it just it lost me at the last third. Yeah. But it's not bad. I really like the first act. I really like the second act. I like this like most dangerous game aesthetic they were going for. Like, I think that I don't remember. I don't know her real name. BB from Frasier really does a great job kind of guiding the story along. I don't really know much about Jack Russell as a character, but you're not kind of not supposed to like it. It's very much a novella, you know, yeah. I, I, I dig that aspect of it. I just, the, the, yeah. Oh, <laughs> my kid, my wife just texted me. There's this, okay, I'm going to derail this for a second. There's okay. this kid's game called The Man in the Window. Are you guys familiar with it? No. So The Man in the Window, this is Halloween-ish, so I'll steer into this right now, is this story about a mother rabbit who tells her little, who reads her little son a story. And then he tells his mom that the, that the creature from the story is outside his window. And she's like, no, he's not outside. He goes, no, the man at the wind, the man is outside my window. And then she looks outside the window and there he is. And so they have to hide the child in the bathroom from the man with the man at the window or because he wants to take the children away to go live with him because they're his best friends. And the assumption is he will take them and kill them. So it's like this popular thing with kids. And my kid is seeing the YouTube video from this video. It's a game. And uh, the mom is supposed, the mother rabbit is supposed to hide under the sink and she's supposed to hide the baby in the bathtub, which is weird to me, but that's how you play the game. So now he's, and my wife just texted me. He's in our bed, freaked out about the man in the window. So I thought she was going to be mad because we all watched werewolf by night. Well, that that that's easy. You just have them play Five Nights at Freddy's. That'll fix that. I don't know what that is. I'm going to ignore it. Oh, it's a, it's another game, and it freaks kids <laughs> out. You play it. Well, well he won't be freaked game. out about the man in the window anymore. He'll be freaked out about Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, it's it's you're right. It's like, and I kind of wonder because it's a shorter special. It's an hour long as opposed to a two hour movie. Do those weird choices stand out even more? Yeah, I think they do. Because, like, we don't have a lot of character development, right? No, we don't have time for it. No, and we don't have a lot of, like, you know, tangible connections to be made to these people. We just, uh, just there. I mean, think about it. They threw Man-Thing in with, like, no explanation. But I love that. I love they're hunting this monster. And you think they're hunting the werewolf, because, like, it's very clearly this is Jack Russell. And, like, then it turns out, no, they're it's Man-Thing. And I'm like, oh, what a great reveal. Right. I thought it was going to be, like, Honestly, when the, sh the movie starts and they all and he we're seeing it through Jack Russell, like he's the, the one bringing us into the story. I thought they were going to turn him into a werewolf and hunt him, like which would have been a much different movie yes. as well. But no, it's like, no, they're hunting man thing. And he's friends with them, which works, you know. But yeah, it was 
which works and it's all well like it's a good idea it's a good story for the most part it's well executed until you get to those weird choices that they made mm-hmm. john I'm, is very disappointed with us very i disappointed. i just i just don't think i've ever like i thought huh i thought you were gonna really love this and i'm i'm, I'm just sorry yeah i know i've just i just huh i also think weird. you oversold it I, <laughs> no, 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 no! I don't think John oversold it at all. I wanted to see this. I was excited to see it. I mean, I really was looking forward to it, and a lot of people liked it. I just, for me, the the I could have I could have forgiven the bad makeup because I like horror movies, and that's fine that there's bad makeup in them. Like, but the somewhere over the rainbow thing really took me out of it to the point where I was like, I don't think I like this. You know, I don't. I, I, I have no use, idea how. I think I just, if they use the character again. They have to do a CGI werewolf. I mean, you probably you don't even have to. I've seen good practical effect werewolves. You know, like I, dog soldiers did really good practical effect werewolves. Rick Baker made a career out of doing practical yeah. effect werewolves. I just don't know why they chose to do a bad a bad one. Like I don't I don't get it, and I don't get the choice. This thing, like you're going to pay all the money to have somewhere over the rainbow by Judy Garland, like of that's an expensive piece of music, and then you're going to give me Lionel, like it just. I don't know, man. It really third act. It really fell apart for me in the third act. Well, Werewolf by Night so far has ninety percent certified fine. fresh, and for for the uh, I would certify the, fresh. the reviews a, and then ninety two audience. It's not a bad movie. I would definitely score fresh. It's going to get a B for me. It's not bad, but it just like it it just didn't deliver in the third act the way I thought it should have. All right. Well, let's 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 then go around and and give it a rating of one to ten on one to ten Bloodstones. And John, you can go first. I'm giving it a nine. I'm sorry. I really love this. I, the, the, I, I don't, the, the somewhere where the rainbow did like, it seemed like a perfect capstone to the whole thing because, you know, basically you were transitioning from a bunch of people that were moribund in, in this legacy of, of mm-hmm. hating all monsters to her where she's now I've got two friends that are monsters and, and it's, it's the dawn of a, no. an entirely new, yeah. a, a new chapter in their family history. And she's, and, and I'm, I'm sure that she and Jack Russell are going to appear in, in Marvel movies, probably. Sure they are. Yeah. But uh, which would be awesome. You know, obviously but, they're planning to use them. That's why they said it, it affects the future of the MCU. So, right. So I, but I can't, every part of this was like, there were so many little touches that made me feel like, you know, they really cared about this. And, you know, I, I didn't mind the monster, like the fact that he wasn't a, a, was it a, a post 1990s post, post American werewolf werewolf. Yes. But you know, post 1970s post nine. I don't know. He just, he just, he did. But John, it, did, it was it was fine. You me. also like the old Doctor Who. Where... I also like the old Doctor Who. But if I'm going into watching old Doctor Who, I accept that I'm watching the old okay. Doctor Who. Okay. Like, yeah, I was just disappointed with Marvel's effort on this. I will go with a seven point five. Okay. You know, it would have been a nine for me coming out of if they if they'd have stuck the landing. But the more I talk about it, the more I find that I really don't like it. Like that choice of music at the end bothers me because it makes no sense. And the fact that they gave me one, they chintzed out on the on the werewolf transformation scene, your Marvel, to the fact that I got a silly looking werewolf. Like, I don't know. Like I just I hold Marvel to a higher standard than this. You know? Okay. 7.5. I think I 
fall a little in between because again i the transformation i i to me they weren't going for an aesthetic and i'll i i, I agree. agree with the the agree. doing the silhouette like that's such a 50s horror trope from a lot of different things and i and so i liked that part of it right but when he turned like when he finally get the reveal of the the monster i was like eh like yeah because because it would have been a greatest counterpoint like mm-hmm. give us the old style transformation but then give us a monster that's so amazing looking that's what i expected yeah so so i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it an eight you know i'm gonna give it a solid eight so it's a passing grade like again there's no reason not to watch this it's really good i'm just not gonna sit there and go this is the greatest thing marvel has done so far i still i'm still gonna put winter soldier and civil war above this oh yeah even with the even with the brutal fight scenes fight scenes are great yeah come on those that's the most brutal thing that that marvel's done and then the the blood spatter onto the camera come on cool no it's cool wow i think it's doctor in the doctor strange and i will say i will i think john was saying this earlier i will agree i think they got away with more because it's black and white yes and i don't know if it was done on purpose but yeah brilliant according to the director if i remember the quote correctly it was like we kept asking if we could do something and they kept saying yes yes no and you can see that so i i I agree all right well that is werewolf by night if you haven't seen it yet go check it out of course we spoiled a lot of things but but go check it out it's free on hbo i'm sorry on disney plus there's no reason not to watch it don't watch it on hbo max it's horrible there all right all right so the other thing we were supposed to watch all of us was (laughs) of course sandman the man in the room that is the largest sandman fan has yet to actually watch an episode so should we talk about this we can talk about it i'm probably not i just okay here's where i'm at i it, i'm not bothered by anything in the sandman i just if i like it then i have to find eight more hours of my day to commit to watch the show and i don't want to i think you should I'm, watch the pilot the first episode yeah i know I probably and then, should. and then decide from there it's it's well done it's very well done but it suffers in my opinion, from the same thing a lot of DC recent DC stuff has <laughs> suffered from. It goes in with this attitude of it's being made for people that are already fans of Sandman. Like, they're not going to try to suck you in and get you to care about this character. It's, you're already a fan, here's the story you know. I don't think so. I think they did a much better job on this than any of us could have expected. And they could bring in new people with this i've watched four episodes and i still find myself wondering why should i finish watching this Mm. did you like the comic i did not read the comic see the comic's not for everybody like no no it is not and that's the whole thing and that's why i was like well if if i watch this and it sucks me in i will run out and get the comic this is like i get the story you're going for i understand but it's again it's the whole it's gods versus gods it's you know it's like this whole otherworldly thing and i'm like why should i care that's my thought but i'm like watching this like why should i care about this character i don't everyone in the show is awful this feels like a more artsy version of the boys in some ways (laughs) like everyone's terrible and that's part of the story is like yes all of humanity (laughs) is terrible and i'm like why the fuck do i want to watch something where it's saying all of humanity is terrible like i don't like that you know so it's tough. I'm going to finish watching it, but it's I, I've watched four episodes so far, and it's just like, okay, we'll see. 
part of it is the journey of of dream himself right and i don't care about dream there's nothing in this show that has made me care about him that's what i'm getting at wow you guys are really really hard to <laughs> satisfy these days I'm like <laughs> but i'm saying give me something to draw me in to make me so okay so we get to the fourth episode he's in hell right and while they're while he's on his journey to the castle to see satan or what are they lucifer sorry to see lucifer he passes by i can't think of the character's name the woman who's been in hell for over a thousand years because she betrayed him and it was a love of his life you know right give well, me that in the loves. beginning give me something to connect me to this character to want to care about him in the beginning you waited till the fourth episode to make to give me something to be like oh okay he does have emotions but the first like the first three episodes is just i just want my stuff back because i want to rebuild my kingdom and it's like okay good for you i don't care like <laughs> there's nothing about this that's sucking me in to make me feel like i have a connection to any of these characters i got nothing i haven't watched the show yeah i will what what do you as a fan of the comic and i know i know gaiman can be out there so that's the thing too like he's i read the very... com i read the comics too for i was one i got lucky like i picked up sandman number one when it when it came out i was right there wanna... when, they, when that stuff came out and i i you know it's it's <sighs> i'm curious i would like it's, to see other people who've never read the comic who watch the show what their their feelings are on it like they're, probably, I really the, they're probably the same feelings you're having right now it's like asking somebody who hates romance novels to watch a romance and movie the, that's the whole thing i don't hate it but i don't feel sucked in right like i'm just i'm very indifferent about it and it's weird but like everyone i know has watched the whole thing so I'm like let me watch the whole thing and see what happens let me see if there's anything that pulls me in like constantine they don't call her constantine they call her constant or no did i say that right constantine yeah, is yeah they call her constantine not constantine mm -hmm. even though it's, you know because it's the per correct british pronunciation like again we only get one episode with her but i felt like this is a betrayal this is a betra betrayal a betrayal that's the word i'm looking for of the character that and has nothing don't don't twist my words people has nothing to do with the gender swap it has to do with they just made her out to be another selfish person. It's a different character than John Constantine. Joanna Constantine is a different character. That is oh, a character. she is a different character? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think she existed in the comics. Um, well, it, she shared the exact same. I mean, the, the reason they couldn't use John Constantine was because his the rights are owned by someone else. So. But Jonathan, Joanna Constantine is a character from the game and run of Sandman. But they gave they gave her the exact same origin story. Like yeah. that whole that whole bit with her losing the girl that that's John Cons that's it that's is. how he started. Yeah. It is, but Joanna Constantine is a character from the Neil Gaiman run. But they made like, right, but they but were the little they bit were, that we that, that okay. we get over like you get they they do the aspect with her. I will say this to give you the sympathy because of of what happens in the beginning and and her losing the little girl and all that. Like yes, okay, you're sucking me into the character. Okay, okay, and then you just made her out to be a horrible person, and I'm like. But John Constantine's Constantine a horrible person. I know, <laughs> but, that's, you know, that's, but I that's, don't know. It just, it bugged me the whole thing. Like, so she was living with a woman and, and, and doesn't want to be in the relationship anymore. So she just doesn't go back. They're living together. She just doesn't that's go John back. John Constantine. Yeah, Hold is. on. Let me finish my, my statement. I'm going to have to, I have to talk about that to explain. Okay. And he, she left Sandman sand with her. She, there's a whole thing that goes on with how she ends up with the sand 
And but when she left, she left her stuff behind, and that was one of the things. So now she had the sand all this time, and it made her basically sick. Like having it kept, it was it was such a weird thing. Like kept her from dying, but also was making her sick. So when the sandman took his sand back, she was now dying. The girl that she left, right? Right, because it was the only thing keeping her alive. Because it was it was basically like a drug where she got to see all of her greatest wishes come true in her dreams. But of course but that means she never gets out of bed. Now she's yelling at dreams sand. or Sandman or Mephisto or whatever you want to call him. Cause he has so many Mephisto. names. Not Mephisto. What's Morpheus. 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 Yeah. <laughs> she's yelling at him to save the girl that she left behind. And you know, like, like no, you don't get to do that. That's like, but that's Constantine. He's tragic. He's always he makes yeah, mistakes. But it just came it off. It just came lives. off as and and it wouldn't have mattered if the character is male or female. It just came off as petty and small and selfish. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like I don't. I mean, like I get where you're coming from, but that's like that's character development. Is like they're trying to be better people, right? Like I'm again. I haven't seen the show, so I can't speak to it, but. But it felt like the motivation to be a better person was off. Like it was just more selfishness because she didn't want the guilt for, for what was happening to her. So it's like, save her. So I don't feel guilty, not save her because it's the right thing to do. But that's very human. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it. I don't know. But that, that that's just an example of how I'm feeling about the show overall. It's just, it's a tough watch. It's like, that's, with you. I get it. Yeah, that that's the whole thing with with Gaiman though. It's gods and monsters, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, you 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 are on a slow burn for watching Morpheus what was be become a better being, but but and he's the focus, but you're not in a very nice world. What like your whole world is evil or, the or show hostile, where, I should say. Where was the show where it was an angel and a demon and they were friends? Good Angels and demons. What? Good omens. Good yeah. omens. Yeah. Angels that, and Demons was much different. Man, yeah, yes. I forget. Sorry. Yeah. But good yeah. omens, again, you're dealing with heaven and hell and, and gods and, and whatnot, but it still sucked me in. Like well, I cared about these characters. The tone is different too. Good omens is very tongue in cheek. Yep. Yes. I, I I'll agree with that. But again, the, regardless of the tone, it still sucked. Like I felt a connection to those characters. So you can write a mo- show about otherworldly stuff and and have me connect in nothing has connected me with these characters yet it's it's because you're dealing with gods and monsters that's the whole point but that's also know. makes but that also makes it hard for people to make a connection sometimes that's the argument of superman if superman is too powerful ergo i don't feel anything i don't agree with it but i know that's an argument right but he he loves and he cares and right right again like i said he, you haven't you just haven't felt the connection to the character i get it you haven't like, seen the one with death yet, have you? No, I, I think, think that's, that's the next episode. Yeah, like, said that. Watch that one, then then decide. That's like, a pivotal one. Like the show starts off with with him being captured, and he's kept in a prison for a hundred so, years. I'll say this to you, Dave. Gaiman himself has said it took him a good year to wrap his head around what this book was. Yeah, right. Because when he started doing this, the idea was he was doing his impression of Alan Moore. Uh-huh. He was trying to write this book the way Alan Moore would have written it. And then it's not until about a year in that he really figures out what the Sandman is. And I think he feels that that is part of the journey of the character is like, cause Neil, cause Neil Gaiman is Morpheus, right? 
Like it looks okay. like him. Right. So, I mean, I think this is part of the, the TV show is trying to ape that a little bit is that it takes time for Morpheus and these characters to figure out what they are. Now, does that make for the best viewing experience for everybody? No, but I mean, most people don't think Preludes and Nocturnes is even close to being the best Sandman story. Oh, is that what this one's based on? That's based on the first trade, Preludes and Nocturnes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like it takes... I don't. I mean, like again, I, this is my problem. Is I know what I know what I'm getting into. But, but here's I the don't thing. like. Okay. I mean, like it's the most. But here's, but here's my thing. question then. You're Neil yeah. Gaiman, and you're now getting to make this show, mm-hmm. and you know this about the story. Now you can tweak the story. But that's for the, the journey, show. But that's the journey of the character. Is like mm. if you cut, if you go from A to C, you miss B. You miss a lot of what makes the character. Yep. Well, nothing right now nothing makes the character in my mind i mean for you i mean like, again for me and I, I felt this in the last one like i said i'm on an i i'm i'm fully admit to being on an island for world by night maybe i had high too high of expectations for it to the point where i didn't just i didn't get what i was expecting and so for me it's kind of like eh, which is something that i profess all the time to people not to do on the show so maybe i'm guilty of stuff that i preach against all the time but again like that's the story again like this is at least with the world by night it's one it's a novella it's a one piece thing this is like a it's supposed to be an ongoing journey and you have to have a character start yeah. from a to get to d right you, or to z you got to get to yep. b d d e f you know you got to get all those points and if you decide to start from f just out of convenience you may cheapen the journey because again, I respect the fact that they're doing it from the. And again, he'll be the first to tell you. You know what? I didn't have my head figured out around it. But again, the, the there's important foundational stuff into establishing who game who excuse me who Morpheus is, who Dream is, to get to the end when he abdicates and Daniel becomes the Lord of the Dreaming. Sorry. You know, you got it. Okay. You got to get there. But if you're not enjoying the ride to get there, I understand. Because again, the Sandman is different than. 99% of the comic book experiences out there. So, I mean, like, I get it if it's not for you. It's not, and he'll tell people that it's not for everybody. It's right? it's very hard to write a character that isn't human and has no human point of view. And make and, them, and make them understandable so, okay. and relatable. That's exactly. incredibly difficult. Exactly. Here's, here's, here's something though, right? I want... But, but that's the thing about Morpheus. But that's before you start. Morpheus's journey is from becoming a detached god into becoming almost human yeah right that is his journey yeah but again or at least not, empathetic they're not like you know. yeah i mean like yeah more empathetic but they're not i don't I, yeah I, okay i i get what but you're i get saying. i get if it's, but if it's not working i don't even for feel you, like they're okay. showing wait how many episodes the journey watched? of him how many what? episodes have you watched four uh, four he, he's got to yeah. watch five but number five is with death that's, and it's hard that's, it's a, it's that's, an that's, ask it's an ask from people to get to five episodes before you feel like true. i get that that's an ask because so, death, death is even in the books. Death but, is the character that relates you to the human yeah, experience. For sure, death is the most appropriately. Death is the most human human of the dreaming of the uh, oh god the endless the endless yeah. But that's that's my thing too, right? Like so, the show starts off with him being captured for a hundred years. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know this because you've read the book. And then his stuff, his his things, his items get stolen, and now he's on a journey to get his stuff back. Right. And he keeps saying, like, when he, like, he says it to Constantine, he says it to other people, like, he needs to get his stuff back so that he can rebuild his kingdom, because if people don't dream, then it's going to be bad for you. It's a MacGuffin. No, 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 I'm not talking about the MacGuffin part of it, to humanity, but, like, but yet he sat in a cage for 100 years and didn't try to get out. He couldn't Couldn't get out. out. Yeah. 
He was trapped. He could have talked to the son to, and convinced him to get him out. Because the son said he would get him out. Uh, there's there's stuff there. And the kingdom, have they got, okay, I haven't watched this. Had John, do they establish what's going on in the dreaming while Morpheus is gone? Like, do not, you get the brothers? Not until, you get the not until he gets demon? out. Okay. Not, when he gets I mean, out, all you know is he, all you know is he gets out and he comes back and the kingdom's destroyed. Yeah, because yeah. he couldn't get there. Right, like there was, it was a conspiracy, right, to keep him trapped. Yeah, like he could. Okay, they didn't. They, that that has you, not you been explained. Got, you haven't gotten got there, there yet. You're not there yet. There are other players involved. Yeah, that, there's that, more going on. Like, and I don't know how how close the TV show is going to stay to what it is. But then, then again, like there's a vast that because right now, like that's part of the reason I don't care. It's like you didn't care for a hundred years. You sat in a cage for a hundred years. So why should I care about your journey then? Well, he was also he was. I mean, it wasn't. Once he was in there, they he showed he had opportunities who, to get out, and that's what bothers me about it. If they didn't show that stuff, then every every opportunity he had required him to give up something, and he's still in God mode. He doesn't get you don't. You all don't he has to do is say like that. All he has to do is say yeah, and then get out, and then kill the people and leave. Like except that their word means something. Yeah, they take well, they, be like, clever enough to use your word. There's a metaphysical. Be clever enough to give a word. Their word. But that's part of the again. That's part of the thing, though, is the gods aren't as. That's the thing with Gaiman's work in general is the gods are more petty. Like again, like the gods, the gods are petty, but they're not all that different than us, right? And Morpheus's biggest thing is his pride, right? But, uh, his but, pride, his pride is his undoing. And this whole series of the Sandman is him learning to become more empathetic and to give up that part of that. They're not pride. doing a good job of showing any of the stuff that you're talking about. I don't think I'm you're there yet. I just don't think you're there yet. Yeah. And again, if you're not there, I, if, then they, if it's but, not working for you, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny too, because like I've seen a lot of things online where they're not even sure if they're going to get a season two. I don't know if they're going to like, again, I think the only people who love this show are the diehard fans of the comic. Well, that's, that was the comic too. Because the comic had a cult, and I wouldn't say a cult following, but I mean, it's the thing that launched Vertigo. Like, the people that read Sandman were not your typical Wednesday Warriors. Right. Like, the Vertigo, the Vertigo base was built on, you know, goth kids. You so know? that's the appeal. That's the appeal of Sandman is like that, that gothiness. Yes. Yeah. So the, on Rotten Tomatoes, again, critics score 87% or 80%. You tell me more people like, well, okay, so there you go. That's interesting. The critic scores is a little, is a, a chunk higher than the audience score, which just goes back to what I'm saying is this has always been. And the thing is, I don't care piece. what the critics saying, yeah. how many people are actually watching it. Like we don't know the numbers and how it many people pretty, are watching did, the whole thing all the way through. How many people, good. I mean, we don't know the numbers, but they're not going to tell you it's a failure. Like exactly, but how many people watched the first episode and then were like, "I'm out." That's the thing. Like that's what I'm curious about, you know. Or even gave it to the second episode and were like, "Yeah, I can't keep watching this," you know. Well, you know, again, it it's 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 like JD saying this is this is more this this is not everybody's wheelhouse. It's a different genre. If you're looking for a superhero show, this ain't it. This is this is a you know, it's a piece on gods and monsters. It's I more was, metaphysical. It and- I was going in looking for a piece on gods and monsters, but I wanted something that sucked me in and made me feel attached to the main character. And there's nothing that makes me feel attached to this character. I mean, I get it. If it's not, if it's not what you're into, right? And again, did you ever try to read the comic? No. But knowing your ta- knowing your tastes, I don't think this is something that you would like. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like what you dig, what you dig about comics is not what this series is you're looking for a True. hero or somebody you can put your, not a yourself into a, their shoes it's a hero's journey story but more of this is very much an anti-hero but yeah. again again if they had shown 
the, the this idea that he had a, a love at some point early on like that would have been something to connect me to him. well because he's it's, not, he's a, yeah. it's not his love that motivates him if you bring that out early that then you're telling the viewer that this is what's driving him and it isn't right because again this is about a god yeah right an endless one of the endless, endless this, a god a god trying to get in touch with humanity yeah they're, really? they're yeah Exactly. Exactly what JD's saying. It's not that. And that was the problem with with Gaiman with, you know, the problem he had with trying to get his head wrapped around these characters is you have to put yourself in shoes that you have no point of reference for. And you have to try to imagine what is well, it like okay. to be alive for that, that is, billions and billions of years, right? That is an asinine defense. No, I don't know. If <laughs> to that, say you can't that. criticize it because you I have to put your. F- I didn't. Yeah, I didn't say you couldn't criticize. I I just say that's that's the story. And as JD is saying, if if that's not something that because, you're interested in, you don't. You know. But that's, that's also fine. the argument that the writer has to put us put his walk the path of a god and he can't and if he thinks he can then he's too far up his own ass to write something oh that's, no that's no that's not what anyone that no one said that <laughs> no. like this is but this is gaiman's journey as a creator right this is like it's very yeah but he came out and said something about like you shouldn't criticize this it was weird no, I no, no, no no he was saying you shouldn't he's kind of had it with people saying we don't want a woke version of the sandman that's right. what he's taking oh okay well no i would not call this a woke version of anything but, but i mean because it is because there's black people in it and that's bad you know, so people are getting upset about that. I mean, that's what it is. They made yeah. death black, so people are like all up in arms. Like, there's androgynous people in here. It's like, well, clearly you didn't ever read, read the book, any, yeah, <laughs> any of Neil Gaiman's work at all. So I mean, like, and that's what he's that's where he's taking it. I'm like, he's Neil Gaiman has zero problem if you criticize his work. Like, this is a dude who's got like Teflon skin when it comes to criticism. Okay, like, and he, he legit criticism rolls off his back. Like, he's very very good with critics usually. Like, just letting people, yeah, it's fine. You have your own thoughts, and like. But when it comes to the only thing that's been upset with him is people who criticize it as, you know, wokest, you know, or like something. All right. That's what what he's getting angry. It's because people who talk about people who say, oh, they made Sandman woke. And he's like, because it makes him mad because it means you've never read any of his stuff. Okay, I will say this, though. It it drives me nuts because it feels like, okay, so he didn't do what normally we get anymore, where it's like, oh, well, you don't like this because you're sexist or you don't like this because you're racist. He did the opposite. He's like. You don't like this because you didn't read the comic. So because well, you you're trying to attach yeah. those kind of things to his work. Yeah. Like they're saying you, you sold because people are saying you sold out to be to the woke mob. And he's like, I am the woke mob. <laughs> like, yeah. and he is. I mean, that's that's <laughs> Neil Gaiman is the king of goth. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's just been him for 50 years. Yeah. No, no, I'm not gonna disagree with that. So yeah, so I will keep watching it. I will let you know. It's like people what? saying Alan Moore's only hit it for the money. <laughs> To to put it to, to be fair, Dave, you are like you stopped at the exact wrong episode. Like yeah, episode I mean, five is where things really but it's get a big going. Ask, start, to, ask me to watch five I episodes to, to feel an attachment I, to a show. I, I, I understand. Right. Yes, that's it's fine. Like, it's, I, it is I, why I hate the ultimate Spider-Man book. Like you're going to tell take three episodes or three issues six six issues before he finally becomes Spider-Man and puts the costume on. Like. That's a big ask. And oh, I and I thought it was great. I think that I think Brian Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man is probably the best Spider-Man book ever. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> you know, that's how I feel about that. No, I I love I nice. love that series. Like again, I I think that he told a different story. Could you have done what Stanley did in like twelve pages? Sure, that's not what Bendis and company. And again, Bendis, he can and beat look, out. He I'm can, not asking he can you to do twelve pages, I'm but six issues is too much. 
I didn't, it didn't. I mean, like you got to keep in mind those, those things are written for trade, right? They wanted you to get, well, that's just stupid, but that's what, that's the meat. That's the marketplace. Especially in that. But then you're not being an artist. You're, 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 you're a slave to the format to make money. You're everyone's not actually... a slave. Everyone's a slave to the format of comic books. Comic books have a format. You but don't you get still be 31. artistic and not no, be. You a can't. Slave to... No, you can't be. That's what he was. Like yep. you have to tell. You have to tell a like Stan Lee is a slave to the format of 1961 comics. Well, he, he had created 15... the format. We can create the format. But that was the format of books. Yeah, well, I mean, he made it to create. because yeah. uh, that's not the only story that was in Amazing Fantasy 15. Like. Right. That's what they were. You can't sit there and go, well, the 32 page has, why well, need 33 to tell this story? Well, cut yeah. a page. Like everyone's a slave to the medium that they're that they're writing in. And they tell you this when you're writing. It's like if you can't get your story into the parameters that we want, we will go somewhere else. And Bill Jemis's thing at Marvel was we are writing to trades. Yeah. And that's right. what they were that's what they were doing in the early 2000s. Like that's only really now started to change again, right? We just everything was written in six issue blocks. Act one is book two and one and two. Act two is book two, three and four. Act three is book five and six, right? That's what they were. That's what they wanted them to be. Like, and you cannot be a trade. Like, you could just not be a guy who likes trades. But I mean, and again, Bendis' stuff, I will have said this for a decade plus. His stuff reads better in trade than it does month to month. Yeah. So, so the thing is, the thing is, Dave, to boil it down, you can like it or not like it because that's okay. Because yeah. there are things that we're going to like and you're not going to like. And there's things that you're going to like and we're not going to like. Correct. But that John, doesn't make it bad. No, again, I broke I John's Iron heart Man tonight. 3. I hate Iron Man 3. It's fucking shit. <laughs> it is, it is, it is crap. But but yeah, yeah. And 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 JD did break my heart. But he's Sorry. also killed me, so that's fine. Oh, you're gonna <laughs> shotgun blasts and like monsters and oh, I can't this one's special. All right. Well, let's move hey, on. We've got any of our any of our geek world all-star friends looking for a guest. I'm pushing aware, so hit me up. <laughs> I'm sure so wizard will hit you up. So we got two more interviews real quick from our the my New York Comic Con journey. Uh the first one, so there's a channel on Me TV. There's a channel called Me TV and they have a uh morning show uh Saturday morning cartoons just like when we were growing up called Tune In With Me. The hosts of the show is Bill Field and Kevin Fleming. Kevin Fleming is the voice of Toonie the Tuna. And uh, they invited me to do an interview with them, and I did it. And they are, I, I got to say, it was one of the best interviews I've done in a while. They were great. They were funny. Bill Leff, I'm sorry, Bill Leff, is worked in radio for 20 years before he started doing this, so he knew what to do, right? Like he gets it. So it was a great interview, but I'm not going to build it up anymore. Take it away, guys. Here I am from New York Comic Con. All right, we are now here at the MeTV booth with Bill Luck and Kevin Fleming, hosts of Tune In With Me on MeTV. How are you guys doing? Couldn't be better. Yeah, doing great. Thanks, buddy. And uh, you're the voice of Tuna, Toonie the Tuna. That's true. I'm very much the voice of Toonie the Tuna. How you doing, pal? <laughs> so... I got my first question. I Wait, asked. I just realized now who you were the voice of You Tuna. didn't know that? No, we've been working uh, together for geez. years. I just figured that out. Well, Bill, I was under the booth, so you couldn't see me too well. This is amazing to me. Yeah, so, Bill's like a toddler in that way. If it's not in front of him and he can't see it, like if he puts his hands over his eyes, he thinks you've disappeared. Where does everybody keep going? Yeah. Could you sign this for me? Of course. Uh, later, let's get this All podcast right, sorry. going first. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. All right, okay. So my first question I've been asking everyone, um, how are you guys enjoying the concert? I love it. It's great. It's so 
amazing to see everybody um, with such energy, especially after a few years of not having something like this. It's a great just to be able to interact with people who like the show, who like cartoons, who like comic books. It's just really amazing to have everyone come together. I'm amazed at how appreciative the people are. I had so many people yesterday come up and go, you came on at such a great time because we were one of the only shows shooting during the pandemic, yeah. you know? And people said it was a very difficult time for me and I knew that every morning you guys would be there for me and I so appreciate it and I appreciate them appreciating it. It was just such a nice thing to hear. be amazing. Yeah. So that actually leads me into like, one of the questions I have, one of the first questions I have for you guys. We live in 2022 and cancel culture. Yeah. A lot of people get offended at the, at the older cartoons. Sure. Um, how do you guys deal with that? Wow. Well, I mean, I, I think that, of course, these cartoons are so beloved, right? I mean, you're yes. talking about the classic cartoons. And to a certain degree, there is an element of... Um, I don't want to say that there's an element of forgiveness, but you do realize that with time, cultures change, attitudes change, society changes. But when these were done years ago, unfortunately, you know, things weren't where they are now. But you can't, it's hard to get upset. You just have to thread the needle. You have to know what would be offensive or hope to know what's offensive. Try to avoid those as best you can. Um, but you, you're just going to have to step back and say, here, this is what the art is. We're just presenting it. We're not necessarily, we're just allowing you to see it. So okay. it's it's a hard needle to, to, to thread. That's we for get sure. feedback either way. If we yeah. make any edits, if there's a scene or a sequence that's offensive, and we cut it out. We hear from people saying, "This is a. It was made in 1942. You can't change it. We need to see it as it was intended. But if we don't take it out, then people say, "Hey, what you? You know, you have to take that out. You can't show that." So you know, we try yeah. to toe the line. We try to find some balance. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the world we live in, right? Yeah. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. You worked in radio for 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think that? The day of the shock jock is over, or you know, it, yes and no. There will still be people who find ways to shock their audience. Yeah. There, you know, there's always some envelope that can be pushed just a little bit further if you try to. But yeah, there was a time where every city. I, I play a character on the show named Simon Shock, who's based on all those yes, guys. Yes. Well, all he wants to do isn't necessarily to entertain, but to shock you. You know, and that's based on guys that I've worked with or against over the years. Yeah. And uh, it's funny to see where things have gone. So, one question that we like to ask uh, our guests, we end the show by saying, don't let your paper fall in the door, which has come to mean, don't let your shortcomings or your hurdles get in the way of reaching your goals. Yeah. Um, what's, a, what's something that you've overcome in your life to help you get to your goals? Uh, well, well, if you ask you Dooley to do know what his shortcomings are. <laughs> Uh, it's a then. short list. Zero dates. No notes. 100% perfect. Um, but if you're certainly asking me, I, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting question. I, I think knowing and believing who you are and what you enjoy and knowing that whatever it is that is near to you or, or interesting to you, to put it out there if you want to put it out there but don't necessarily look at oh I want to try to chase an audience I want to try to chase numbers I want to just do something that you're passionate about that you love and know that it will find an audience so that was something in terms of a career 
yes. when you stop kind of chasing what the trend is, what you think people want, you just give people what you want uh, to say. Right. For me, trying to be realistic through my life, if you looked at the odds of the things I've been able to pull off, uh, everything from doing stand-up for years to radio to movies and now television, the odds are stacked against you, uh, against anybody. You know, it's a million and one shots to do things like that. And I was very fortunate to have personal parents and a family that supported me and said, no, go for it. You want to do this. It's your dream. You can't. And then a wife and two daughters who felt the same way and said, don't ever look back. you got to go forward. You want to dream this you gotta do it you know so uh, I've been very fortunate in that I never played the numbers game I played the uh, everybody wants me to try for it let's try for it oh, oh. so what is it about classic cartoons that you guys love oh I mean the, the comedy right I mean yeah. we talk about in a comedic scene like a sketchy you, you talk about having like a game which is a repeatable activity that just heightens it gets bigger and bigger and bigger so like there's an example from a cartoon that I love it's a most funny cartoon called Hillbilly Air where he does a square dancing routine with two, um, you know, uh, with two, right. uh, this isn't correct, but two uh, <laughs> southern gentlemen. Uh, I'll use the politically correct term. That was beautiful. Uh, thank you. Yes. That was so well said. And, and just the simple, repetitive, physical nature, where there, the game is that no matter what he says, well, he's the square dancing caller. We have to listen to him. And so right. they put themselves in these positions where they just beat the tar out of each other, beat the hell out of each other. And it's so fun to watch. And you just sit there and laugh and laugh and you get lost. So they, they, from, from a comedic standpoint, I love watching the concept of here is the premise, here is the game of the scene, and we're just going to keep doing that repetitive activity again and again and again, right. hiding, getting more and more heightened with, with danger, with physicality, and then the resolve at the end, you know, is, is that's the fun about cartoons, there is, there's no consequence, yet you can continue through right. whatever it is you want to do. When I was growing up, I had access to current cartoons, so this would be the late 60s, early 70s, yeah. but then I also had access to the classic cartoons like we're showing now, and with all due respect to who were the ghost chasers who put them together, the animation wasn't fantastic, you know. Uh, TV was just finding cheap ways to keep their Saturday mornings alive, so they were producing cartoons that weren't great. We remember some of them fondly, but they weren't magnificent to watch. The older stuff, on the other hand, I would be late for school because I'd be in my room getting ready for school, and a cartoon would come on, uh, a Max Fleischer Popeye cartoon, and I'd say, it's more important for me to stay home and watch the biz than go to class. So I would do that once in a while and it was just the magic of how much stuff was animated at once I mean they were just they were just loading up every frame with so much to see and it was funny to watch it was artistic to watch I was very fortunate and now we have a chance to share that with a whole other generation so I feel very lucky and you mentioned that you're with the restoration project yeah there's a panel that we're doing today we did one in San Diego at their Comic Con we're doing one today and uh, they have put together this team of people to get the old cartoons and spruce them up and when you see them side by side like we show them you can't believe how much I mean you would assume they'd be better but when you see it live when you see the old version and the new it's just so bright and cheery and fun to watch awesome yeah cool and uh, is that something that's coming out on the Blu-ray or well I know it'll be available on our show as, we, as they do this right. we're going to show the new prints but I'm guessing there's got to be a Blu-ray component to it I would just imagine it have to be we normally like to wrap up on is how do you measure success? 
well, uh, it depends on uh, how many uh, pieces of fan art I get and how many donuts I often consume. That's my marker of success. You know, I think, uh, of course, it's subjective, right? But to each his own, I think if you are happy doing what you do, if you are happy with the friends you have, the family that you have, and, and, and it's, you know, it's, not everything is going to be rosy, but if you come out uh, at the end of the day, end of the week, end of the month, end of the year, and you look back and you're like, wow, there were some really fun moments, you think that, you know, you've done a great job, and if you've helped people along the way, and made people laugh, and you can do that, and people feel good, I think then, yeah, that's a successful person, a successful day, or whatever. Kevin nailed it. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much fun we have doing the show from from writers' concept meetings where we're coming up with ideas for the show to the actual filming of the show to then watching the finished product. There's a lot of laughs and smiles. and Provided mostly by me. Mostly Thank you very much. But I've had in almost... Two years of work where I've had three of them. You've got two or three, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We also want to make sure Bill is engaged, you know. Right. Like a toddler, we, we right. have some keys that we jangle in front of it. Yeah, I am engaged, and my wife is furious about it, by the way. <laughs> She's very angry about it. Uh, but that's it. What Kevin said is we're, we're, we're smiling, we're laughing, and we're doing a job that I think most people would just say, Is that really a job? Where we look out, you know? <laughs> Including the bosses. Yes. They're like, You want to get paid for this? This isn't really a job. And you? you guys are just goofing around up there showing tattoos. You don't expect payment, do you? Cool. All right, and so uh, where can we find you guys online? Bill, you know, yeah. UTV.com is your best bet. And we're on at 6 a.m. in some cities, 7 a.m. in other cities, so it depends. And consult your local listings the time and place. Yeah, yeah, we got Seven Eastern, six Central is the way to remember it. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, we're, yeah, go to BTV.com. We're on social media uh, at Tune With Me TV. <laughs> we got Facebook, TikTok, personally. It's Insta, of course, Insta. I can't forget Insta. Insta. And if they can we get this stranger out of the room? I don't know who this gentleman is yelling at me. If they can't find us, Kevin and I will come to your homes yes. and do it live. We've done that in the past. We're not afraid to do that again. Do you, do you have any personal uh, stuff that you give out? Like Instagram stuff? I bring, I've been giving out toasters and blenders. People <laughs> no, I mean your, your Twitter handle. Oh. I don't have a Twitter handle. I have a CB handle. Okay, that's just Billy the Kid 63 if people want to reach me on the CB radio. Kev J. Fleming at Twitter. (laughs) Hashtag blessed. (laughs) Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Here I go again on my own. (laughs) All right. Thanks for that, guys. Of course. The only road I've ever known. Nice. The other interview that I got from the convention, not other interviews, I got other interviews that are coming still. Of course, I can't go to New York Comic Con without talking to the good friend of the show, Rich Duick. And of course, he was comes come along with Alex Cormack. And they talked about their upcoming book, Breath of Shadows. Those who don't know, the two of them did Road of Bones, Road of sea Bones of Sorrows. and Sea of Sorrows together. So the first one takes place in what's it, the desert. Second one takes place in the Tundra. water. Oh, Tundra, Tundra, that's right. The first one takes place in Tundra. The second one takes place in the water. So, of course, this one takes place in the jungle. And that was a joke between them. And let, let them explain. So, without further ado, sorry, I'm laughing at my own joke. Without further ado, here is Rich and Alex. All right. We're here once again at the IDW Cafe in the middle of New York Comic Con. 
We're this time we're joined by Rich Duick and Alex Cormack. How are you guys doing? Good. How, How you doing? doing? Um, I guess we'll I'll start off with, I mean, I know you guys have been around for a while. You've been to many in New York Comic Con. Yeah. Um, oh, what yeah. do you think of the show this year? Does it feel like we're back or what? I feel like we're like 80% back. It's like, you know, like there's a lot of people here and uh, I think like the vibe is back, but it's like there's a lot of like publishers that are still missing like there's no yeah. like i don't see like there's no dark horse booth there's no image booth there's, there's no, no dc uh, booth dc booth yeah. which you know i can understand you know but it's also just like it's just always nice when there's like more more comic stuff going on so yeah yeah definitely more than last year it looks like yeah um because I mean, last year it felt like just a quarter of the stuff was here, and uh, right. oh, yeah. it just it felt it felt weird last year. As long Very. as like, even it was crowded, there's a lot of people here and all that stuff, but it still had like felt like a ghost town almost. But when I like, could walk around the floor easily, it was like, what's yeah, going exactly, on? Exactly right. Like yeah, there wasn't a line in the bathroom. Like wait, what, what is this? This, this is New York. <laughs> I mean, I will say I think like Artist Alley is back. Like down oh, Artist yeah. Alley, there's like a ton of people, and like uh, that's like feels like. It, like it used to be it's just like the main floor is like a little like weird it feels like there's like missing people <laughs> all right so i originally we were supposed to talk about um uh well we'll talk about breath yeah. of shadows because <laughs> yeah. we were supposed to talk about csros but rich Ooh. and i have talked about csros quite a few times so, <laughs> so i'm gonna ask what is the elevator pitch for uh breath of shadows what uh, what is the elevator pitch <laughs> so breath of shadows uh it takes place in the 1960s, and it's a story of um, a rock star who's struggling with uh, heroin addiction, and he sort of reads about this uh, supposed miracle cure drug that you can get in, um, in, 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 jungles, in, yeah. in the jungles of like southern Mexico and like uh, like the Yucatan. Uh, around where the Maya, like it's some connections like the ancient Maya. So he goes down and kind of organizes an expedition to like go into the jungle to try to find this drug. And since he's a rock star uh, and a heroin addict, just like he's a fucking mess. <laughs> the expedition's a mess. Yeah. Uh, and they run into a lot of trouble, as you would expect in one of our books. Uh, right, you get like these archaeologists are like, well, listen, they're funding it. This guy's a pain in the neck. I don't even want him here, but yeah. they're paying the bills. All right, let's just lug these dopes along and yeah, and just go through this jungle. And yeah, it's 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 gonna be nuts. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic, <laughs> it's a fantastic book. It's a better book than the pitch. <laughs> no, no, yeah. So this is the third book you guys have worked on yeah. together. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's the third one. The first one was uh, Road of Bones, and then we did Sea of Sorrows, and now Breath of Shadows, and they kind of form. Should I even stop? <laughs> what not? Yeah. Is that what not? <laughs> All right, download the Whatnot app right now, everyone. I'm going to cut this out so you won't hear this. Okay, <laughs> so the first book we worked on was Road of Bones. Yes. Then we worked. Then we followed that up with Sea of Sorrows. Now we're doing Breath of Shadows, and they kind of form like a little thematic trilogy. Like they're all kind of dealing with coming at the same, similar themes from like different angles. So, how would you describe your guys' working relationship? Oh God, it's, it's horrible! It's horrible. You won't let me alone. It's, a slave it's, driver. Yeah, I mean, every single thing's gonna be changed. Every no, no, it's it's, it's been great. It's been great. I mean, we were. 
we were already friends before we even got started. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, he writes good scripts, so it's not hard work for me. It's just... He draws good stuff. Just jumps right in. Like, all right. <laughs> but I, mean, fun. I, I think it's developed over, like, the books we've been doing. Like, yeah. I think, like, you know, I think Road of Bones was, like, uh, you know, not it was not a hard book for us to work on, but I think right. we kind of, like, learned a little bit about working with each other and, and like... What Alex likes to draw. Yeah. Like, well, it's know, one thing like to be that. friends. It's nothing so, to be working. Yeah. That type of thing. But, so I think like yeah. Sea of Sorrows went a little bit smoother than that. Yeah. And this one we're just this kind one's of been like through. just Yeah. This has been cake. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, so, so Road of Bones is like a, a stark wasteland. Yep. yep. Sea of Sorrows is the ocean. Yep. Yeah. This isn't a jungle, right? Right. So yeah. there's a lot more to draw this well, time? Well, this, yeah. uh, <laughs> this, this is the old story that uh, once we, when we did Road of Bones, uh, I said, because I grew up in uh, New England and Massachusetts, okay. and I was like, listen, I, oh, my entire life, it's most of the time it's snow there, so I always wanted to draw something in snow. At the same time, we always go to Cape Cod, and, and I'm like, I always wanted to draw something in the ocean, and I just thought the jungle was interesting, so I said, and or something in the jungle. So I always wanted to draw something in the snow, and the ocean, and the jungle. We're just yeah. like, ah, right, I'll, I'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yep. Match made in heaven. Yep. Um, <laughs> was there anything... Because I, I love your stuff, Rich. I mean, we've known each other for a while. Um, was there anything personal in this story and difficult to write? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not a heroin addict, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, but you play uh, one on TV? No. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, I, you know, I've like um, kind of struggled with like sort of like behaviors that if you're like not always in my control and right. stuff like that. And I think that was like, you know, maybe the most kind of like difficult mindset to get into. But uh, but I think it was like worth it. Like, you know, really kind of like getting into like the character Jimmy Meadows, like his head. And his mind state, which is, like, really fragile at times, um, you know, I think when you're writing it, like, you don't want to, like, sort of, like, go too deep of a dive, but um, but it was, like, you know, certain parts are, like, a little harrowing, but they're also kind of fun because you're getting to, like, put them on paper and not bounce around your head. So. Right. <laughs> so, um, and what about the his, this, his pitch, this idea appeal to you to, to do it? Oh, for this one, um, well, one, I was just excited to draw a jungle. Uh, but then also, I mean, I feel like everybody else, I was a huge fan of, like, that era of rock music. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, it's just like, oh, I know all, like, I'm going to base this guy off this guy. This guy, like, each member of the band is based on another musician. Okay. And, uh, like, I had in my head. Basically, basically making like a super group. And, um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I was like, all right, I kind of know this world just from growing up and researching just being right. you know, um, music fan, a rock band, and um, but now they t- take these those type of guys and throw them in like a crazy situation, like the jungle, and where like you know just a mosquito won't kill you, you know? Yeah. And uh, like sure you're hooked on heroin, but you know that python doesn't care about that; they're just hungry. And um, so, yeah, so I mean, I just thought like just that alone, I'm like, all right, I'm game. Let's let's these are two great tastes that taste great together. And yeah, I, I gotta say, fun. like, like the kind of music research for this, oh, where it was just like, like <laughs> I just like I made like a huge like '60s psychedelic playlist, right. and like that was just playing like when I was like working on the script. So it was a lot of fun <laughs> to listen to. So, Rich has answered this question before. All right. So I'm going to ask you. I you can answer again if you answer. want. Right. But again, since this is a book about addiction and coming overcoming yeah. that, um, we usually end the podcast by saying, "Don't let your cape caught in the door." Which has grown to mean 
don't let your shortcomings or foibles keep you from achieving your goals. Sure. Yeah. So what's something you've overcome in your life to achieve your goals? Uh, school. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrible at school. I was, I was, a, I was always drawing in the back of class on that. I don't know if it counts. But, uh, <laughs> it's the first thing I thought of. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I never got addicted to drugs or anything like that. Uh, luckily, I never got drunk or anything like that. Um, not gonna, yeah, not yet. Um, <laughs> see, how, see how this book goes, but uh, but um, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, for anybody out there like with those situations, you know, don't let that stop you. Don't let the, like sure that happened, but that's not your whole life, right? You know, see what what happens next week is something that's gonna be completely different. You know, I think. So Tony Robbins here. <laughs> Pick yourself up, folks. Dust yourself off. And... Get totally ruined. Get a job, you bumps. <laughs> yeah, edit that out. That's terrible. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Do you want to add anything? I, I just kind of don't remember what I said uh, last time, so uh, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I think I just overcame a lot of, like, uh, you know, I guess self-doubt or, like, maybe feeling like... Uh, you know, I didn't really have anything like interesting or or, or, or good right. to say um, in terms of like writing. It's like, well, like you know, who would ever want to read something that I wrote? Like, you know, I definitely right. felt that like starting out. But you know, I think the more I did, the more confident I got in like my own skills and like saying, like deciding what I wanted to say, and you know, getting to the place where I felt like I could say it. So let's say that. So. This is a question we ask a lot, and I kind of want to get your take on this. Um, obviously, comics, it's not the easiest thing to get started in, right? Like, oh, yeah. Especially yeah. if you want to write something, you got to find an artist you can work oh with. Oh, my God. For or, writers? I don't, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. It's just... Here's somebody I wrote. Please don't so, screw it up. <laughs> so, the, so the kid who's sitting in the back of the class drawing or yeah. the kid who's daydreaming about stories, what advice would you give to them that wants to get started in this business? To get started? Yeah. Do you want to start or? Okay, well, I'll say like if you're a writer, there's like a couple of things you have to keep in mind is that like um, it, it there is like you, you can either find an artist I recommend trying to find another artist who's like trying to who's just starting out themselves mm -hmm. and wants to like build a portfolio of work, uh, and then hopefully you can like work with them where like you, you guys are like uh, together and maybe you're not like I, I think you know you should always pay your artists as much as you can, uh, but it's like if you can find somebody who's just starting out maybe it'll make it like more doable on your end and then you guys can like work together and then the other thing I would say is start small like yeah. yep. just do like a five page story mm -hmm. a ten page story whatever it is for a couple of reasons number one is again the financial stuff but number right. two is that like if you're just starting you're, you're going to like learn a lot as you do it and if you have this kind of like dream project of yours that you want to be like amazing, it's like if you put some practice in doing smaller stuff, your dream project would be that much better when you do get around to it. Like, so it's kind of weird to say like, don't write the thing that you most want to write, but it's, it's almost <laughs> like sort right. of like just put it on the shelf for a minute and like try some other stuff just so you can kind of get a feel for. Uh, you know how to, uh, you know the the best write, things right? to do, and how to write well, and how to get your ideas across, and and then it'll just make 
your kind of like dream project like that much stronger when you when you do when you do tackle it. All right. So this is what you got to do if you want to be an artist in this business. All right. This is exactly what you didn't want to do. Okay. All right. So first off, you're, you're starting off with nothing. I'm right. So what you want to do is because if you jump on the book right right away, sure you know how to draw that book, but if you want to get more jobs, you know you got to really show off what kind of range you got. So right. Start thinking about like making a portfolio, and what you want to do is think of like, all right, I'm gonna draw a page of a book. All right, I'm not gonna, okay. gonna think of like a scene. I'm gonna draw that one page. Doesn't have to be. Are you gonna get this? So, uh, but yeah, you want to just draw one page, so that way, all right, you can draw something sci-fi, draw something horror, you can draw a superhero, and that way you get a bunch of stuff. There's storytelling in there. You go and show that off to writers. Also, look out for anthology. Anthologies are always looking for artists and writers. Yeah, I mean that's a great. I mean that's how I got started. I did like you know a bunch of anthologies before I got an actual real gig. So, um, or like doing an actual book book. Right. But uh, that's what you got to do. Also. You know, don't be afraid. Like, it doesn't have to all come from your head. Don't worry about that. Feel free to look in the mirror. Look at faces you can make. Take a camera. You know, set up. If you got a laptop, you got photo booth on there. Take some photos of yourself in the room. Like, if you're having funny trouble with the drawing, like, there's ways to fix it. You know, right. like, just look in the mirror. But that's what you got to do if you got to be an artist. And uh, I look forward to you all taking my job. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There might be people waiting. So... The question that we normally wrap up on is All right. you know this: How do you measure success? Uh, jet skis. <laughs> <laughs> Simple man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jet skis and riding around with my fur coats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the, the fact that I'm doing this is something. You know, I, this is my full time job, yeah. and I'm, I'm able to pay the bills. I can feed my family. That, that alone is success. I'm doing what I want to be doing. So, okay. as far yeah. as I'm concerned, I mean, as long as I can maintain this, right. that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, I hit a kind of like a milestone earlier this year where it's like, I have like a bookshelf in my house and uh, yes. I finally have a full shelf of all stuff that I wrote or or contributed to. Like, I have like anthologies in there that I like, have a story in. So, that was a really good feeling. That made me feel pretty successful that like... I just sort of have like a entire yeah. shelf of stuff that with my name on it. Uh, All right. But that's not the only measure of success. But that that was uh, that was a pretty cool one. So okay, real quick then, where can people find you guys online? Uh, I'm uh, on Twitter at Alex Cormack four, uh, on Instagram uh, it's again just my name Alex Cormack Illustrator. Uh, same deal with I don't know any you know, Facebook or whatever. Just Google my name, Alex Cormack. It's going to come up somewhere. Yes. You know, it's, it's 2022. You guys know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I'm uh, at Arduek at uh, on, on Twitter and also Instagram. Uh, I have a website, which is Arduek.com, that I have a newsletter on that you can sign up for. And uh, I send that out fairly regularly with, like, news and updates and stuff. And I guess I should have asked uh, Breath of Shadows... <laughs> When's that? Uh, is it out it, now? No, it's, no, it's, it's out in uh, February. February, yeah, February. Yeah. and that's going to be in the previews. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It'll be all over the place. You know. All right. Cool. Thank you guys. Very all right. Much. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for that, guys. Speaking of the interviews that I got from New York Comic Con, there will be a bonus episode out this week. I did a press room for batman you mentioned it a couple times john in this episode batman and superman battle of the super sons mm -hmm. so i got invited to a press room and 
interviewed a good amount of the cast, the writer and the director of it. It's I was looking at it today. It's 45 minutes long. It'll probably be cleaned up a little bit and it's going to I'm going to release it as a separate episode. So, wow, uh, cool. The uh, what's his name? The kid from Shazam, not the kid who plays Billy Baxton, the, the friend, JD. What's the Oh, uh, I don't yeah, 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 I know who you're talking about. He's the voice of Jonathan Kent in this cartoon. And this is what I'm saying. And I want everyone to make sure you, this is probably out Friday. Make sure you go and listen. He is like a huge DC fanboy. Like it was so refreshing to talk to someone who's doing this stuff, who loves what he's doing. He You're loves, talking Jack Dylan Grazer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He loved, he loves DC comics. He loves all the characters, all the stories. And it was surprising who he said he, kind of surprising who he said he always wants to play, but I'm not going to tell you. That was my one of my that was my last question to him. Who did you always want to play in DC? You'll have to listen to it to get the answer. So that's it, guys. That is that is the show for this. So let's go around. Do you have any recommendations or what did you learn on the podcast? I learned we have very different views on things, and that's okay. Yeah, which is <laughs> normally we agree at least partially on most things, but wow, this time around, like everything was different. It's good. It's good to mix it up a little. Yeah. I think it's interesting that the guy who's the biggest fan of the book hasn't watched the show yet. I've the guy seen. who's never read the book is trying to figure out why am I watching this? And the guy who's read it loves the show. And I kind of, so I kind of think JD, you probably are going to like the show. I probably will. I'm just afraid to sit and commit. Like I said, my time is so like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's well-written, well-produced special effects are great. Some, some people have like, phobias and and like sometimes it's hard for me to sit down and, and start something like that too J and jd's really busy these days so we, eh, yeah, some he's crap. busy killing you we know not just books. not just killing me yeah, he's teaching the next generation four different jobs at the high school five different jobs at the high school like it's been it's been a it's been a crazy two months yeah he's got a he's got a whole bunch of kids he's got to press into service for 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 nothing you know and I will give them an A. That's what that just wouldn't drive them. And I gave one girl. So he's a bribing B. kids too, right? I mean, there you go. He's very busy. So I gave a girl a B and she was so mad at me. <laughs> oh, well. Tell her to try harder next time. She did. All right. And she did, any, to be fair. Do you have any recommendations for the audience? Yes. Please back the heart, the United Moon. Please back the Hawk Hollow Kickstarter campaign. My first hardcover book. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. The story behind the book is, is really, it's really means a lot to me. Maybe I'll push it. I'll push the story next week on the show and tell you guys kind of the story behind the story of why I wrote this book. And it just means a lot to me. It's about a group of kids trapped in a commercial haunted house and they're on the run from a band of renegade redneck gin that have been, that are dressed up and doing the haunting at this haunted house. And they don't know who's who's working for the haunted house to scare people and who's trying to kill them around every corner. All right. Yeah, I'm very proud of this. If you John? like Stranger Things, you'll love this. Uh, John? I'm at a loss for <laughs> what to, like, I, my week has been practically devoid of of any entertainment this this week busy week of work that's very unlike you yeah well you know well usually um, you're watching a bunch of anime or you got some movie you something like, no i've, I've busy? been busy i've been busy i've been busy between well you know i'm doing the, the work of three different people at work plus managing the team because they can't find a manager for my team and then i'm teaching my brother how to do minecraft coding and you know i've got a whole bunch of other stuff and then i'm preparing for halloween 
So I had to go out and buy more, you know, enough candy for four houses, all full size, by the way, because I'm not a monster. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Oh, Spy X Family or Spy Family, which, whichever way you, because yeah, apparently there's a big like fight on how you pronounce the, the title just started up again for the second season and they just got a puppy. And of course the puppy happens to be a brilliant like experiment, like, you know, with a high IQ and all that. So yeah, Spikes Family would be a good one to start with. That'll be my recommendation for this. Spikes Family is probably one of the best animes out there. It is, it is hysterical. Have, do um, you know, did, did I, you don't remember, you don't remember what I mentioned. It's, it's the, the, the best, the best spy in this country, right? Need mm-hmm. needs to get into this school in order to spy on one of the high officials of the other country. So in order to do that, he goes and finds a wife. He just happens to find a woman to play his wife, who happens to be one of the greatest assassins ever to be around. When he goes to find a kid, he goes to some random orphanage, picks up, just happens to pick up a science experiment a little girl who's telepathic and she's the anya and she's the only one who knows all of everybody's identities because she's reading their minds and saying oh my god mommy's an assassin oh my god daddy's a spy and it's just hysterical it is funny as hell so there you go there's my recommendation well i learned that yes we all have very different tastes uh we can all agree that jd's books are great And that no, I'm on board with that. We'll agree with that. We'll agree with that. And that JD needs to like at least watch one episode of Sandman. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Of course, I will recommend that you go to superhero spike.speak. Superhero speak.com. You can find the podcast every week. Links to all our social media at the top of the page. Rants and reviews by your good friend Dave and we did find someone to take over the comic book review how, spot. How are the reviews? Have you read any of the new ones yet? I was, I'm not going to say who it is until he turns in the first review. Oh, I thought we did already. No, no. He, he's, we gave him a, a, an IDW book to review. Ah. And uh, hopefully that comes in soon. Hopefully so, the My Little Ponies versus Transformers? No, Crashing. The fact that that's a real book is just amazing to me. I love life. And I have a feeling I know (laughs) what I'm actually going to recommend. That is to make sure you go and see Black Adam. Oh, yeah. Because I am pretty sure that is what we're reviewing next week on the show. I'm getting away from it. Can't wait. I'm excited. I I I literally cannot wait for this. It's actually pumped. This weekend is actually coming up as my one year anniversary with my girlfriend. And so we'll recreate our first date, which we can't go see maximum carnage and the theater I thought you were going to say maximum overdrive i was like you saw that with him <laughs> no we saw a comic book movie so this is perfect we'll go see black adam we'll go to dinner and then go see black adam so yes cool the return of henry cavill as superman we can't wait hopefully <laughs> hopefully unconfirmed i've seen the leaked footage it exists well, yeah but it... seen le- i bet you've seen leaked footage <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, boys and girls, as always, thanks for listening. Don't let your kick caught in the door. Have a good week. (laughs) 